welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your just pretty depressed neophyte, Frank. <laughs> and today we're going to be checking out Degrassi, The Next Generation, Season 3, Episode 4 and 5, Pride. Now to help us through this episode full of a whole lot of really hard, heavy stuff is one of our uh, go-to folks, Kira. Hi, guys. Hey. Welcome back, Kira. Yeah, it's nice to be. It's I realize it's been a while since I've been on the podcast. Yeah, uh, things have changed in the show. Yeah, I... <laughs> so like, let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about uh, what's it like, kind of like. Well, first, my first question is, judging by your reaction to it, have you like watched much Degrassi since the last time you were on? I think uh, Sid had an episode it was somewhere in season two that I saw a part of, but I think it wasn't focusing on, like, the kids, mm-hmm. per se. And so the, the second I saw the, like, this these new episodes, I was just like, oh my god, they're all grown up. Yeah. <laughs> the babies. <laughs> it's, like, wild. It's wild watching this kind of, like, tuning in week to week because it's just, like, y- you are watching them grow up. It's very... Mm-hmm. Odd. And, like, you're watching them play with aesthetic. And obviously, like, that's a little bit of their character playing with the aesthetic. But, like, it's interesting seeing them have different haircuts and different mm-hmm. piercings and different, like, all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. So I can only imagine what it's like jumping in. Yeah, it's also the first time I'm seeing Marco at all. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my son. Um, before we jump too far into this episode, it's probably a good idea to stick on some content warnings to this because this is a pretty rough episode for many reasons. Um, as always, you can check the description for any minute marks on exactly where certain things are going to be coming in. But in general, if you need to sit this one out, it is totally understandable because this episode features a whole lot of homophobia, um, use of homophobic slurs. There's also um, discussion of cancer. Uh, which is a heavy part of the B-plot. Um, there's also some mild mentionings of kind of some ableist slurs, racism, and the A-plot does feature just straight up a gay bashing scene as mm. well. So mm-hmm. be aware of some of the content in this. Both the A-plot and the B-plot have their own things that can be a bit heavy for folks. Yeah. But um, we right just get to it? Yeah. Although I should put a warning. So we have new, well, I have new family members. I have fuzzy <laughs> daughters who have just started becoming part of our lives during yesterday. They are two kittens named Basil and Dahlia. Um, but the thing about them is they, I have no idea how they're going to react to us recording. So we are going to find out. Um, right now, it seems like they are pretty content. They look pretty, pretty blitzed out right now. They're yeah, so chill. yeah, yeah. So like, let's hope that we played with them enough that they're not going to make a big stink. But I also figure I don't think actually people mind that much when animals make noises on podcasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as we don't have them eating on the podcast, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just gonna eat wet food right in front of the mic. <laughs> No eating ASMR. Ugh, awful. Anyway, let's get to this. Let's start with our B plot. Uh, or no. Oh my gosh, Kira, you have to introduce what our A-plot and our B-plot even are. All right, let's go. Uh, so I'm just going to cover the A, and it's A and B for the both episodes. Yes. Um, but the A-plot is Marco coming more to terms with uh, 
his sexuality and that he gets kind of outed and uh, Spinner really being aggressive uh, towards his sexuality or just and homosexuality in general. And at one point in the episode, he gets gay bashed. And I think that's that's all safe for now on the A plot. And the B plot, uh, Skinner's... Wait, no. Snake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Snake uh, starts feeling ill, uh, passes out, and goes cuts his hand. Uh, eventually goes to the doctor, and they tell him he has leukemia. And part of the B-plot is just how he and Emma are dealing with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to start with the B-plot, because really, there is no winners here. It's either gay bashing or <laughs> cancer. So, like, you know, really just take your pick of which one you want to start with. Let's start with the B-plot. Our B-plot opens up in the Nelson... Uh, I just blanked out on what the hell Snake Simpson, the Nelson Simpson household. <laughs> Couldn't remember his last name for a second, which is weird. Um, and we have a very bedraggled Spike who is currently in the process of trying to keep a baby Jack quiet and asleep. And you could tell that she is a very, very stressed out. Um, Snake enters and he's sneezing and the look of death in Spike's face <laughs> at the response to this as well as Emma coming in looking absolutely bedraggled in her own right, starting off loud and Spike shushing the two of them so mm -hmm. that they can speak in a whisper. Uh, we rewatched the episode before we um, before we recorded, um, because why not? And the whole entire time, I'm just hearing Kira and Kirsten, who was also watching it, like kind of like discussing amongst <laughs> each other if this was a real baby or not. And, like, okay, okay. Scene. I wasn't sure. Like, <laughs> for, there's there, okay. So like for the first half of the scene, this baby looks like its eyes are literally glued shut, and like the face, like it's a giant head. The proportions are weird. It's definitely not as newborn as it is in the show. Yeah. Like it's an older baby, and yeah. and the. Uh, Later, they, like, show it, like, actually, like, smiling and moving, and I'm like, okay, that's a real baby. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the first scene featured a baby, like, a doll. Yeah. Like, to kind of show that this was a kid that was supposed to be asleep, because I feel like babies, though they sleep a lot, probably don't sleep on command, mm -hmm. and, like, I doubt that's actually, like, I doubt the actress that plays Spike, like, that's her actual kid. So, like, you're asking a baby to be in the arms of somebody they don't really know and doesn't also quite... Also be asleep. And be asleep. I feel like this is, like, a tall order. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the initial part of the scene it wasn't a real baby. But in other shots, the baby moves around and smiles. And, and it's clearly uh, either a really good audio animatronic or mm -hmm. an actual baby. This isn't an American sniper situation. Oh, God. <laughs> Though I, That's a fake baby. Yeah, it's definitely a fake baby. Like, if you, if you let go, the head would fall off. But... <laughs> Though I would really enjoy it if they just kept switching to different, like, if they did have a fake baby, they just kept switching to different kinds of fake babies. So, like, at one point it's a Cabbage Patch doll, another point it's American Girl doll, at one point it's a Care Bear. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, the only thing I can make jokes about in this episode. Yeah. So. You know, the Get joke landed because, like, the, the crowd in the back started laughing a little bit at it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> 
because not only do we have Gwyn sitting around during the recording, we also have Kirsten and now two cats. So we'll really know as we're recording if it lands or not. Um, I can't wait to hear some cat laughs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're very chirpy, so they might. Um, anyway, so Emma is has a couple bones to pick. Number one, the baby cries like, I think she said, compares the baby to, like, a jet fighter or something like that. And then... Doesn't she have a room in the basement, though? She does, which leads to her other conflict, which is that, like, the water heater is leaky. So she's dealing with the baby. Which, to be fair, the baby... Babies are loud. They don't care about volume control. So I wouldn't be surprised if she could hear the baby crying. But then on top of it, it's a leaky-ass basement. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's really stressed out about this. And Snake comes, and Snake is like, oh, I'm going to help out, um, because he's going to, his plan is to wrap, like, wrap it around in foam or something like that, to Mm -hmm. basically, like, catch the water. Um, And in the process of him trying to open up the foam, he kind of cuts himself, and he bleeds in a way that's pretty extreme, considering the severity of the cut and the fact that it's, like, on your finger. It's not like when you cut your face and you just start bleeding profusely, because your face just freaks out when you cut it. I mean, the only thing, like... I've cut many a finger before. <laughs> yes. Uh, it bleeds a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, like, the area where he cut, cut doesn't bleed. Like, it's on, like, the, yeah, it's like it was on, like, the back outside exactly, of his thumb, which exactly. is not where you should be really bleeding that much from. Exactly, exactly. And I guess that, I kind of learned, like, that's kind of, like, a, a symptom of leukemia. It is, but it's also kind of, I feel like, the TV trope yeah. method of yeah, showing that somebody yeah. has leukemia is, like... Oh, like, oh, that's weird. You're bleeding an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, tuck that in for later. This person's sick. Yeah. Or sadly pull down a calendar page. It's a thing. <laughs> huh? I, well, in a lot of movies, like, like that's the signal for... Oh, right, because they're hiding that they have a terminal illness, but they, like, dramatically are pulling down the calendar because they know that they only have so many months left. It's, like, fun montage, oh. fun montage, quick cut to somebody sadly pulling down a calendar page, fun yes. montage. Yes, yes, No, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just, like, we're loading up the cannon because it's gonna hurt later. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. But, like, yeah, so he's, like, bleeding bad and he's sneezing, um, and Spike is just like, you gotta fucking leave. So help me fuck if Jack gets sick again. Like, I'm gonna fucking murder everybody in this house. Like, she is... Done. Done. Absolutely done. done. Which, like, I don't blame her. A sick newborn sounds like... Hell. Yeah, it sounds like absolute <laughs> hell. So, like, I don't fully blame her for reacting this way. Um, also, she looks like... I mean, it just let's just face it. Even if Snake is a decent father, he's still working full time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's doing the bulk of the work and has had to deal with Jack when he's sick. And so. Emma. And Emma, yeah, yeah, like, jeez. Um, but Spike says, like, you know, you, like, you know, you gotta go. And so Snake says he'll crash at Joey's. Um, and the way that he establishes that is that he just kind of calls Joey and she's like, oh yeah, like, can I stay for the weekend? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, and that kind of sets into motion the B plot. So the B plot comes back, and the way that it comes back is Craig is trying to have a little makeout session with Ashley, <laughs> which, even though Joey's there, like this is a very brazen attempt at making out. It was weird because like they're they're making out on the couch, and then uh, like 
when Spy, when uh, sorry, when Snake came in, they're like, "Oh, what an adult!" I thought we were supposed to be alone all weekend, and then Joey comes downstairs, and I'm like, "What? You couldn't have waited like five minutes for them to leave if you thought they were gonna leave for the weekend?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the the narrative on that one is a little little. Odd. I think it might just be teenage boy exuberance. Yeah, that too. I think all of that can be hand waved pretty easily in that <laughs> sense. Um, but yeah, like so he's like, "Yeah, let's make out," and then like Joey's like, "Oh, by the way, I'm still here," and he's like, "Oh, okay." Um, <laughs> Joey walks downstairs, like, downstairs, and just like, "Haven't you heard of me leaving first? Yeah, right. Yes, <laughs> perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, Call but- back to drive. Did you watch that episode, Kira?" <laughs> It's a dud. There's this there's this episode called Drive where they steal one of Joey's cars. Oh god. And like when they arrive back at the lot, uh Joey's like, Haven't you ever heard of a sound alarm? It's really funny. It's so just like <laughs> just comes swinging yelling that. Whenever I imagine Joey yelling, that's his opening salvo. Yeah. It's haven't you heard of X. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so Joey's like Joey opens up the door, Snake's there, and he's like, Oh, by the way, like Snake's staying over. Angie's super excited and gives Snake a big old hug. Doesn't she call him Uncle Archie? Yeah, I think so. Just really uh cute. She's an angel. She's Mm -hmm. such an angel. But, like, Craig's like, great, so Snake's gonna infect all of us. And Joey's just like, yeah, but there's more babysitters, so... (laughs) Bye. Peace. (laughs) And, like, you know... It also would have been better if it's just like cut to Craig. So Snake's gonna infect all of us. Cut to door. Joey's gone. You just hear the like roar of a car engine. Right. But like, Craig is just like not happy about this whole entire situation. <laughs> Neither is Ashley. Ashley is not. Well, Ashley, Ashley's true like despair really comes becomes apparent in the next scene because the next scene we see Craig and Snake playing video games. And, Kira, you knew the video game, if you would like to talk about it. I'm, like, 90% sure it's SSX Tricky, the snowboarding game. Uh, (laughs) Did you remember that game, Gwyn? Gwyn says, yeah. It's, yeah, I know. But, like, also, they're playing in single-player mode with two people. I feel like that happens a lot in media, though. Like, I feel like there's a lot of... For whatever, and I'm, it might just be that they were like, oh, what do we have the rights to? What do we have access to? I don't give a shit. But, like, I feel like that happens consistently in a lot of different media where it's, like, there will be a game that's, like, technically, like, a single-player mode that they'll just have two controllers and looking like it's two-player. And every- I mean, it didn't even, like, just put split-screen. Like, yeah. They just... Or just play Goldeneye, like... <laughs> yeah, right? But, like, that's the thing. It's, like, you would think that they would just be a generic-ass fighting game that, like, you mm. could always just kind of have on the TV. That's straight I, I was, I was going to say, business business idea, freeware for fake video game. Like, here you go. Yeah, like, it's just a very <laughs> peculiar issue that I see consistently in a lot of movies and TV. Well, my, my favorite is always the... Um, people moving their bodies energetically while they're playing video games. And I'm just going to take a little quick look at Gwen, who is sitting up pretty straight, but otherwise... Gwen doesn't stoic. move all that. Gwen's pretty stoic playing. Gwen's yeah. playing uh, Kingdom Hearts. Which Kingdom Hearts are you playing, Gwen? Two. Two. So Gwen's, Gwen's a pretty stoic gamer. I think that has to do with playing all the Dark Souls and dying all the time, though. So I think that just kind of made them more... 
more unfeeling. Hardened. Than the game. Hardened. Hardened is a well, good no, it's word just, for it. Like, it's just this, like, most of my gaming is I'm laying on my bed, clicking the mouse, like, as I farm in Stardew Valley. <laughs> like, not moving a whole bunch. I don't know. I'm a bit emotive when I play. I don't play very much, but I played Tetris Effect, and I was just kind of screaming the whole time. <laughs> it was really weird. I just kept, like chanting i have become a block it was like a weird out of body experience i was also playing it at 2 a.m and that might have something to do with it you might still be a block i might still don't don't i have not confirmed or denied if i'm still a block a, a, a tetrino burst through the window yes father i will be a block so that's what that's that's the experience that was my experience playing tetris effect anyway um that's not what they're playing they're playing this snowboarding game, and there's this very good shot of Ashley <laughs> in the middle of them, giving this totally just suffering look, which speaks a lot to how she feels about this situation. And just, like, just kind of rolling her eyes a little bit, and just... Poor Ashley's been suffering a whole lot. She's had to deal with, like, Craig's band, now she has to deal with Craig and Snake playing video games... It, will she ever have time for herself and what she wants to do? I'm beginning to doubt it. It's just like all these adults and like, like Ashley's like, yo, I want to get, like, I want to just hang on my boyfriend. Please, adults, would you stop getting in the way of that? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like adults have got, have sabotaged all of her attempts of just wanting to hang out with her boyfriend. It's very... Interesting how this is kind of like a, a unintended plot mm -hmm. line that is connected between the past few episodes. Yeah. Um. But anyway, back to like what like the B plot. Mm -hmm. uh, snake Snake wins. Yeah. And gets excited and stands up and realizes he has a nosebleed and then also he also has like a head rush type deal. It's like a head rush. He like stands up and he like passes out like. Enough to, like, fall back on the couch. Yeah. And, like, Craig is just like, oh, like, should we call Spike? Blah, blah, blah. And and Snake shoots it down, like, very, very definitively. And instead is just, like, asking Craig to have a rematch. But, you know, he's just trying to, like, pass it off as nothing. And Craig and Ashley both are, like, kind of giving each other looks and are both very concerned about the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so... This scene, this plot kind of comes back a tiny bit in a hallway scene. It's because this is where Emma really begins to kind of have a role in this B plot. Because Emma is kind of walking in the hall and Craig is talking to her a little bit about the weekend. And Craig just kind of brings up that he's worried that after what he had seen over the weekend, that Snake might not have something that's just a cold. It might be something more serious than that. Yeah. So the next time we see the B plot, we have more of Snake's role in it, and it's Manny who is talking to Snake about how they're going to have this Spirit Squad fundraiser, and it's going to be basically like the teachers auctioning off various stuff mm -hmm. and efforts and things like that. Um, and he's kind of fiddling around with a band aid while he's while she's like kind of giving him the pitch, which kind of connects it back to that injury that he went through in the beginning of this plot. Um, and Manny's just like, you know, I really want you to donate for the silent auction. And he says, like, you know, fine, whatever, okay. 
Um, and Emma comes into the afterwards and checks in on him. Um, and he, and she's kind of beginning to put pressure on him that she's worried that this might be something more serious than he's letting on. Um, and he snaps at her because of it. Um, and she leaves in response to it. And then we have kind of that, that day, you know, that age old moment where he just kind of quietly takes out an old ass cell phone and calls to arrange for a doctor appointment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say, like, the thing I was thinking this entire time is, you're Canadian, go to the doctor, like, you can. I mean, this is it's, where I do counter-argue, regardless yeah. of Canadian medical stuff, I think that it kind of speaks to the kind of person and, and you know I rarely give snake credit as an educator but I think it does speak to kind of like what it's like to be an educator mm -hmm. like because when it's during the school year and you're sick you're fucked like yeah if you have things that are up you have to negotiate with yourself if you actually want to use your sick time that's why so many teachers have so much sick time because they know that if they take that sick time Especially if you're in a class where curriculum and where you're at in the curriculum is so important, mm -hmm. you're going to be super stressed out. So, like, even if you are really, really sick, you're going to really have to negotiate with yourself. Do I want to suffer through my kids getting more behind because of this? Mm -hmm. Like, I taught, I was teaching at one point, and I got, like, really sick. Like, I got bronchitis. Yeah. And it took me literally, like, a month or two to finally, like, be like, I am so sick, I need to go to a doctor. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm not the only person who's had that happen in terms of, like, those types of stories. Like, a lot of educators just don't make time for themselves. So when something, something happens, it's easy for them to just be like, well... Can't, don't have time for that. Yeah, I don't yeah. have time for it. I don't want to have a sub. I don't want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So... It, yeah. It's not surprising to me that, and plus also he has a new baby and things like that. Yeah, like, it's all stressful. Yeah, his life is not lining up in a way that he he feels that he can just kind of do something for himself like that. Yeah, it's, it's like when you're sick on your own, it's just like, well, I'll just go home and relax. But now it's just like... Or like going to the doctor is like a confirmation of you need to rest... And it's just like... Yeah. And, like, what are you supposed to do? It's like, because, like, also if you go to a doctor and they're like, you have a fever. Technically, you shouldn't be going into work tomorrow. And in your head, you're like, well, I already took a sick day today. Like, I can't yeah. take another sick day because then my kids are going to be two days behind. And that's going to be even worse of a nightmare. <laughs> the school will be down 20% of its teaching staff. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. In DeGrassi World, yeah. But... Yeah. It is also, like, a big concern that any teacher really has and kind of has to think about, like, unless you're someone who's super tenured and super, like, you know, set in your position. If you're a younger teacher, you're not tenured, and you have a principal and a department head breathing down your necks, like, it's going to be super nerve-wracking to take a day off. But have we established, I think we've established that Snake is tenured, right? Yeah, I mean... I would assume he is. It, he d has not necessarily said that he is, but my guess, given the timeline, given his age and things like that, he's probably still fairly recent in his tenure. But even then, if you're a teacher who cares about your kids, you probably don't want to take a day off unless you absolutely know you can account for it. Yeah. 
But this is also just, you know, head canoning why a teacher would not necessarily want to go to a doctor unless they are particularly negotiated with. Um, so yeah, so he arranges to go see a doctor. Um, he, the next scene we see him, he's kind of looking at a clock, almost like it's a classroom, but it's actually like he's in a doctor's office kind of waiting for the doctor to come in. Um, the doctor comes in and it's just kind of straight up like, look, like, I think this might be leukemia. I think we need to do a bone marrow biopsy. Um, and, but he does kind of frame it with, I do think we caught it early. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like leukemia is kind of one of those go-to cancers in storytelling because like, I feel like there is that the likelihood of remission is a little better than other cancers. So I feel like this is kind of like the, uh, the go-to one in media in terms of like, what's a cancer that we can give a character, but we could feasibly have them go into remission. Mm -hmm. no. But, but like still have strife. It's not like, oh, you have melanoma, let's pop that shit off. Yeah. Like, I've had family that had leukemia. I've also had family that have melanoma. Yeah. The, there's one that's been a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. But, like, <laughs> yeah. which is true. It can metastasize and things like that. But I feel like from a writer perspective, I think that's what they're no, trying yeah, to... No, yeah, that's what I'm saying is, like, yeah. leukemia is a lot worse than, yeah. melan than melanoma. Then, like, it's, it's a lot easier to catch early. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, unless you're Grey's Anatomy and you have her, like, fucking hallucinating mm. fucking Denny. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Does nobody in, in this recording right now seen Grey's Anatomy? Nope. No. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I, oh. I just remember the episode of Scrubs where they made fun of Grey's Anatomy. Fair enough. I <laughs> I don't know which one that was, but I've seen every episode of Scrubs. It's the one where um, I think Elliot's saying, like, you know, it's like, I really like the way they monologue on Grey's Anatomy, and then JD walks past her thinking... And I'll never forget the, what Elliot said about that one thing will always remind me of this one thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, so leukemia, I feel like it's kind of one of those ones from a storytelling perspective that a lot of writers, especially of like TV and things like that, kind of go to often. I mean, it all sucks no matter what, but. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, I lost a friend to leukemia a few years ago. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was a rough, rough time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, um, is that pretty much wrap it up for the first episode? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, like I said, like, the doctor does make it clear that, that he does, he is optimistic that it was caught early. Yeah. So, but, you know, once again, that doesn't mean that the road is easy and right. there still needs to be a biopsy to confirm. Right. So. And so in like, I think we just continue on to the next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's waiting for his results. Uh, well, actually, did he get the? Well, he's, so he's about to oh, get yeah. the biopsy. He's he has to, the biopsy, yeah. Yeah, he has to fast for 14 hours and Emma's kind of like checking in on him in school. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's just, she's very clumsy about it, but I kind of appreciate it because she has lunch and she has her lunch with her and she's like, oh, like, should I not really like eat in front of you right now? Like, I know that you're hungry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he tries to explain to her like, oh, she totally can. And Emma suggests to him that like, you know, maybe you should go home. Like, you know, you're processing a lot. You're dealing with a lot right now. And maybe, maybe you should be, maybe you shouldn't be here. And he's very clear that he wants to stay around for the silent auction, 
um, because he's offering, what are the portraits called? Personalized ASCII portraits. ASCII. As, so ASCII I is, hate any of these words that make my Jersey accent come it's out. It's A-S-C, like I-I, ASCII. ASCII. And it's, and it's just, it's like, just like, it's kind of like Matrix, like the Matrix, like <laughs> stuff. Like, okay. Uh, if you ever, if anyone has ever heard of Dwarf Fortress. Oh yeah. It's a game that's, that just uses ASCII portraits. But it, it, okay. it just makes you look like the Matrix. Okay. I can see the code in the Matrix. <laughs> okay. To be honest, can I say something real quick? You gotta come to the mic, that? Kirsten, if you want to Drunk say anything. Kirsten? Special appearance by Kirsten. It's a character set. It's it's essentially a set of letters that you can use in a certain language in computers. Like wingdings. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they correspond to numbers and binary. Essentially, it's it's making arts art out of characters mm-hmm. that you can find on the laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's he's tw- he's kind of <laughs> our first cameo appearance. Yes, excellent. He's <laughs> gonna make the next one. I Thank hope you. it's Basil, computer science expert. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't go that far. But um, eh, you're better than us. No. So hey, we said we want to be called out if we we're talking nonsense. Yeah. So this is just one example of it. Um. But yeah. So he's kind of like he's playing with the ASCII. Oh, I hate these. I feel my accent coming out. Um, he's playing with the portraits. He's showing off that he made one of Jack, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he's like, yeah, these are going to sell like hotcakes to the next scene where he's... Wait, um, this is, isn't this also the scene where he says, like, if things go the way they are, I'm going to end up looking like him? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So... He looks very forlorn at the picture of Jack. Mm-hmm. And how, like, he's, like, talking about how he's going to potentially lose his hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's already kind of losing his hair. Yeah, but I do understand yeah, that this is a pride it's thing. Yeah, yeah, like, this plot, as well as, uh, they're playing. I love them. Um, this plot, as well as the A plot, which I, I feel like we should talk about this maybe later once we really lay out the A plot. But, like, these two plots are very, I feel like this is a good example of, like, having an A-plot and B-plot that actually complement each other very well in these two-part episodes, Mm -hmm. because there's this thread of, like, the discussion of a person wanting to have dignity and wanting to have, like, self-preservation, and you see it throughout this plot in the sense of Snake wants to try and have some form of autonomy throughout this experience, Meanwhile, Marco is also trying to find a way to keep himself safe, but still have this degree of dignity and self-preservation as a gay kid who is... And Basil took the toy. (laughs) Um, Who uh, wants to be able to kind of live on his own terms, even though he's in a world where people are clearly not accepting of it. So there's this interesting complementary aspect to it that actually is done really well. But um, Snake does kind of talk about that. He kind of really stares at it and really gets caught up in it. Um, And then when we get to the silent auction, he's frustrated because, like, Liberty is not putting that much money into the portrait. (laughs) He's like, this is at least $10. Like, 
<laughs> and she's just like, uh, no. Um, and it's not doing as well as the competition, which includes Hasselakos, whose whole entire thing is you go to a science museum with her. <laughs> which is not nearly as fun as I think any of those kids putting in the auction money, I think. <laughs> I doubt it. No. It's like JT just overbids by like $200. Yeah, right? Like, she's like, she's like, let's go to the Tesla coil show. And like, he comes back, this was the most boring thing I've ever done. Well, that's the thing. It's just like, it's like, I'm like, kids, like, she's not gonna like, take off her shirt. Like, you're going to a damn science museum. But, you know, kids. So, so she's like doing really well with it. Um, and Snake decides that he's going to up the ante and also kind of continue to take control of his narrative by clamoring toward the top of the staircase to announce to everybody that if the school, if the school can raise $250 by tomorrow, then he will shave his head in the middle of, of the school. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, I shaved my hair for my head for a school function. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. Fun fact. <laughs> I, 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 I like it. I, I feel like it's actually like a really good way for him to kind of save face for now. Like he, I don't, I feel like he's in the place that he's in. He doesn't really want people to be overly sympathetic. Or yeah. Want, so like he knows that he, there's a potential that he's going to go on chemo and lose all his hair. Yeah. He's giving himself an opportunity to change his appearance drastically to match, like, what his chemo appearance would be like. Yeah. And so kind of, like, ease into it. I I wasn't, like, like, my sigh or whatever wasn't poo-pooing it. It was more, like, I just think remembering Susie did Locks of Love at one point uh, Mm -hmm. for new listeners, my sister, um, and... You know, she was about to shave her hair, like, shorter than I ever remember it actually being. And she shaved it all off, and I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. She's like, yes, like, main reason, locks of love. Bonus reason, I get to wear a collection of wigs. Fair. (laughs) No, I just shave, I always wanted to shave my hair, but, like, as a teacher, that's a very severe look when you're feminine presenting. So I didn't really have an in until some kids were like, we're going to do a fundraiser where the students can raise, can uh, raise money to a specific cause that the teacher picks. And then if they win, they get their hair shaved in the middle of a spirit, like a spirit ceremony <laughs> of a pep rally, excuse me. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, fuck it. I'll, I'll shave my hair. <laughs> and like, for whatever reason, people were shocked. They were like, really? You would shave your hair? And it's like, at the time, I had bright, I had a bright red mohawk. And I'm like, yes, yes, I would shave my hair. <laughs> um, it was it was cool, though. I, um, my, my cause was rain, which, if you know anything about me, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, like, a lot of the kids were like, oh, like, why rain? And, like, you know, I, I all of us had to kind of, like, plead our case, basically, for our cause. And I was like, you know, I volunteer as a sexual assault advocate. And, you know, this means a lot to me and everything. And that that swung a lot of kids t- to put money in my thing. And at the end of it all, we ended up raising, like, $200 for rain, which was super nice. exciting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, and that's a small school. Like, it was just... It should also be noted that for a, for most of it, I was not actually in the lead. I was in second place. But the teacher who was in the lead did not want to get his hair shaved. And then he just put a bunch of money in mine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. But, uh... But, yeah, yeah so he, he gives this this offer to Degrassi. <laughs> so, in between then and now, uh... Well, sorry, in, in between then and when he actually got to cut his head shaved, he goes and gets the, uh, the biopsy. Yeah. So, which is brutal. So Joey and Sydney are, like, trying to drop off food. Um, they're really emphasizing that, like, the food that they got is very immune system friendly and all that type of stuff. And then Snake and Spike come in and Snake is just kind of hobbling in because bone marrow biopsies are fucking brutal. I, I did like this bit of uh, acting work they did. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, what the hell surprise? <laughs> yeah, like, it's... This season's fascinating in how it handles adults. It's it's a very interesting thing where I don't know if they always nail it quite right, but there's something about the way that they nail the way, like, how incredibly awkward it is to be in your, like, late 20s, early 30s very well. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know how much of it is, like, just projection and how much of it is, like, just decent writing or what, but, like, it's interesting to kind of watch how truly fumbling your adulthood is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of the time you have pretty pristine adults in teen media. Someone's wrapped up my feet. Sorry, I'm the real distraction here. It's not the cats, it's me. Um, I feel like you run into this problem a lot in oh. teen media where you, you're... you're adults are either like super evil or super good and kind of not really any actual personhood unless they're like those kind of like big dramas where where the conflicts are just kind of like like i don't even know how to describe i keep thinking of like friday night lights and stuff like that where the adults do have roles but like they're very specific type of drama this is just incredibly awkward. I feel like the Degrassi adults have at least, like, one big blunder every freaking episode. The last one was yeah. Caitlyn's. Yeah, Caitlyn's... Oh, like, like Caitlyn, like, entirely bungling, trying to, like, <laughs> talk to Emma in any capacity. Which has happened multiple times, by the way, at this or point. Or talk to anyone in any capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like we, we have them make these huge, like, fuck-ups, really. And, well, not huge, but... You know, pretty, mm-hmm. not great. And it's kind of refreshing in a way. But um, Joey and Sydney are trying to make their way out. And Snake's like, no, like, let's party. Why not? Like, and he starts blasting, like, basketball jams. <laughs> Jock jams. Yeah. Three. Like, like, it's just space jam music. He loves space jam music. This is, like, the most consistent thing ever is Snake's love of Space Jam music. <laughs> For some reason, yeah. I lost all my Zitz cassettes. Now I'm all lost with my Jock Jams. Yeah, like, this is all I am now. But, yeah, like, he tries to turn it into kind of, like, a weird, awkward party. Because, like, I mean, what else is he supposed to do? Yeah. Like. It, he's really going, it, like, I feel like this moment was really just, like, the, like, He's trying to be overly positive about about this. Like this is this is his philosophy. Like this is what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which like I get it. Um so the next scene we have is Manny in we were watching it with just Frank in the corner just going, Hey, it's Manny from the block. 
<laughs> because she's wearing like a pink velour tracksuit and it's open obviously to expose like a white uh halter top she's wearing like one of those like page boy hats those really big clunky ones from that mm -hmm. era that's also velour for some reason like, like uh What's sweet like of Zach? Sweet life of Zach and Cody. Uh, oh God! I never watched that the show. The one character. I, 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 like I. Oh, she, is she like the rich girl? Yeah, the rich girl. I I don't I don't know her mm -hmm. name. I just I've seen that. It's all that aesthetic. It's, yeah, it's all that. Like, I I've seen that gift set where she says um. Where she says goodbye to I guess the the page. I don't know what he's called. Uh, sure. Yeah, and then well, he's like, "Call him." We're not doing a Sweet Life and Zach and Cody podcast. No. I've never Yet. fucking seen it. Yet. Oh yeah. boy, I'll be the newbie. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so so Manny from the block announces that Snake is going to be shaving his head, and um, in like the center hall area. Um, Paige makes a snide remark, saying, "Nice to know someone in your family has a sense of humor, Emma." And Emma, you know, <laughs> while, while that may be true, <laughs> Emma, you know, is a very, makes a very pained look because she knows the, the full context of what's going on. Um, so when we go to the main hall and we're having the whole entire hair shaving thing, everybody is chanting, shave the snake. I don't like that. I don't like <laughs> it one fucking bit. <laughs> I don't like it. I mean, you could have said peel the snake. But that <laughs> work. Nothing the snake. Skin the snake. Skin the snake. God damn it. <laughs> it's bad. All it's all these bad. are bad. There was no workshopping. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. They workshopped all these options. They're like, well, this is the least horrific sounding. <laughs> yeah. You, you could have just had them chanting shave. <laughs> shave him. Yeah. Shave. Yeah, they could. That's all. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, shaving the snake happens. Um, Sheila gets to do it. Yeah, so, like, they do this really dramatic reveal of who is gonna do it, and it's Sheila marching down with some, uh... Hedge trimmers. Yeah, she has hedge trimmers. She talks about how steady her hands were because she, like, filleted fish in, like, like, Quincy? I forget where. I don't know. She, she kind of, like, rambles about how, like, her hands are super steady because of her, like, work with fish. I, now I'm kind of wondering if it's, if she's... Might imagine a prison, because that, cause that would make that would make sense. I I, I like that for Sheila's character because she's like I've seen all the nonsense I've seen before. Like I've i worked in a prison. <laughs> I mean, I respect Degrassi for hiring formerly incarcerated folks. No, if no. that was the case. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. that's actually good. Yeah, but um. Anyway, but, so that's a big jokey jokey thing. Yeah, but. What Manny says to Emma really upsets her because I've, I've, Emma's really been trying to uh, care for a snake and mm -hmm. it, up until that point it felt like her efforts were not appreciated. Yeah, like um, there's just a lot of fanfare happening because everybody is acting, I mean she's going through that alienation of she knows what's really potentially happening. Mm -hmm. Even though there isn't a diagnosis yet. It's, it's looking like it's that. And even if, even, you know, there's still that fear of even if it might not be anything, it's still, there's enough of a, might be, might be something that they're doing tests. And that is always a really rough place to be. 
Um, so Emma's kind of having this moment where she's watching everyone kind of rally behind this, and Snake is smiling and making faces at a camera as it's being filmed, and it's a rough scene for her to kind of be a part of. Um, Snake gets a phone call right after he finishes up getting his hair head shaved, and he, you know, kind of goes like, oh, okay, great job, bye, and, like, kind of ducks out because it is uh, predictably the, uh, you know, predictably the doctor is calling, and Manny kind of appears next to Emma, um, and tries to figure out, oh, God, what was the thing that Manny says? Like, what is offending you now or something like that? Yeah, what have I done that offended you so much this, this time or something? Some, yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, you know, connecting back to the tension that they developed in uh, in um, the second episode, or third episode, I guess, technically. Um, yeah, I, I did find it out. It's a cruise ship. Really? I've looked at the transcript. The Grand Bay Princess. That makes sense why she would need steady hands for that. Yeah. I get okay. it. I get it. Cruise ship. Yeah. I want I want the Sheila like in in between. I want Sheila to become the brickwork between Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi the Next Generation. Yeah, that would be good. That so, would be good. The Adventures of Sheila. <laughs> uh, that would be good. We will not get that, but I wish. But um, Manny and Emma are talking, and Emma says, kind of just says in like a really broken voice, like "Home's not good to now." Not, ooh, not too good now. Wow. I swear to God, I am here and present with you all. Um, and Emma kind of briefly explains the situation. Um, and they're kind of watching Snake kind of get this phone call. And the tension between them breaks the slightest bit. And I appreciate this because you can tell that the tension is still there. It doesn't mean that they're best friends again. But it does speak to how invested and how entwined they were in each other's lives and how that's very hard to feel nothing toward mm -hmm. yeah i feel like we've all had that friend who like there might be times we're angry but like the minute you see they're upset you're like i have to go help like, exactly mm -hmm. exactly and like they're you know it, it's it's something to be said like when a situation like this is that bleak I feel like this speaks kind of to Manny's character. Like, Manny, in spite of her flaws, in spite of her faults, understands when something is truly serious. And so, of course, she's going to react in this way that she still is supportive and still cares. But, um, yeah, so so their, their anger and frustration kind of eases up a bit. Um, and in the last scene, Emma approaches Snake outside of the school... And Snake just kind of says, like, well, you gotta get used to this look, because I got cancer. Chemo's starting in two days. Yeah. And Emma is really upset, specifically with how Snake has a sense of humor about all of this. And his explanation is just like, look, like, I got to do this so I can beat this, and so I can be here for you, and for Jack, and for your mom, and for, like, everybody. Mm -hmm. I really love yeah. this moment. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's... It's very telling, like, where his head is at. Yeah, it kind of embodies a lot of the complications that he's going through and trying to communicate that to a child. Yeah. I I, I didn't watch ahead, but I, I'm, I'm not sure how Emma is going to take that, but I feel like 
she might feel better from that. Like, like, I feel like that was a comforting thing to say. Like, like, don't worry. I'm also scared, but also like, I can't be scared all the time. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about that. And I think it also speaks to like, I think that's a common thread when a lot of folks go through or like get a barrage of traumatic shit happening to them and things like that. And like, I think a lot of people who haven't really been through that much traumatic shit sometimes don't really understand how people can function afterwards, but I feel Mm -hmm. like it kind of embodies it where it's like, well, I gotta, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've gone through dark shit, but I I gotta. (laughs) Yeah, like, last year was not great, like, for a lot of reasons that I don't want to get into on the podcast, but, like, Mm -hmm. when that happens, like, it kind of, like, one of the, like, somewhat good things is, like, other lesser stuff gets turn the volume way the fuck down. Yeah. Like, something else I'd be like, fuck it. I'll just roll with it. I'll just Katamari Damasi it with the rest of my stress. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It, it's it's really true. And, and once again, I think it connects very well to the A plot in many ways, where it's just like, you can't... And this is a big thing that Marco deals with. Like, it's like, it's not like you can just turn off the situation. Like, in Marco's mm-hmm. case, he can't just be straight. That doesn't work. In mm-hmm. in Snake's case, he can't just, like, not have cancer. Like, you have to yeah. just kind of take what happens in your life or what, you know, discoveries that you make, and you have to just kind of try to keep moving forward. Yeah. The, uh, like, the thing with this, what's going on is, like, in high school, there is a lot of, like, bad stuff going on for me. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of the worst things for me, was seeing my mom get upset. Because I hadn't seen that up until that point. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish these ep- episodes kind of explored that more, where, like, the seeing your parent, like, your your rock, essentially, like, starts to show some cracks. And you're like... Because I was 16 when I saw it happen. I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah. Like... Yeah, and I mean, maybe maybe to Emma, like, it's not going to, it, it just doesn't have the same emotional weight that if it was happening to Spike. Mm-hmm. And that might be why they opted not to explore it quite at that level. Yeah. Because I feel like it would be a little different in that context. But, um, yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it was hard. It's heavy, the shit is hard, and not necessarily the most fun plot to go through, but it makes a very good complement to the A-plot. So let's just kind of dive into the A-plot. Oh, well... Unless you have other thoughts. Well, I just, like, I I didn't... I kind of want to just end that the A-plot, or the B-plot, on, like, somewhat of a happier note. Sure. Like, um, we had recently adopted a young uh, cat who was out, like, he was living in our yard. Like, Mm -hmm. his former family had pushed him out of the house, essentially. Mm. And my, like, it was a very cold winter. My mom just said to my dad, like, I can't really, like, wouldn't it be nice to have another cat? And my dad was just like, whatever, call us, just bring him in the house, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, that cat loved my mom, like, more than any of us. Aww. So, like, one day I'm just, like, sitting in my room playing video games, and the cat was just sitting on my bed. All of a sudden, I see the cat, like, sit straight up. And then it just jumps off my bed and, like, just runs out of my room. I'm like, where is he Where is he going in such a hurry? So got I got a Zoom! 
I went downstairs, and my mom had apparently just started to cry. Oh. And, like, the cat was like, I need it. I just ran away, like, ran off. Oh. It was such a good one. Yeah. Cats are good, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, they are. So, yeah, I just wanted to, like, a little bit of levity, because this next part's going to be really rough. Yeah, it will. Well, when in doubt, just turn around and look at my cats, because they mm -hmm. are laying down. They're all tuckered out. They are. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so the A-plot. Um, it opens up with Ellie and Marco getting ready to go to the beach. Um, Ellie is not super thrilled, specifically because she is going to have to be in the presence of Paige, who she thinks is made out of pure evil. <laughs> Meanwhile, Marco's like, I think Paige is nice! <laughs> probably, probably because at some point, like, Paige is like, slipped over, is like, I know what's up. Like, you got a friend in me. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah i mean perhaps but um Paige, of course looks at ellie and makes a vampire comment um this is just like a mess of like one minute basically spinner offers his seat so that ellie and marco can sit together marco kind of goes oh no i'll take shotgun and who is driving but dylan who has been the implied gay older brother of Paige. Oh, this is the first time we're seeing Dylan, too. Yeah. yeah. Which is oh. funny, because you were on the episode that she originally introduced the fact that she had a gay brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> and then Ashley threw milk in her face. Yeah. Yeah, but it's actually really cool to see that that was the thread that they kept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was really nice, because yeah. it's, it's nice, especially in the case of this type of stuff, especially when it comes to, like, LGBTQ representation. It's nice when something's not just a throwaway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it feels realistic why we didn't automatically see Dylan, because it's obvious that he's older, he knows how to drive, um, we find out he's in, like, a junior hockey, like, minor league type team, like, he he's older, so, of course, we didn't see him mm -hmm. in middle school and things like that. Older and busy. Busy, yes. And uh, just a quick thought, would have been nice if Terry could have gone to the beach, too. Yeah, yeah, it would have been nice. Though... Would she have fit in the van? As in, like, are there enough seats in the van? Well, I know. I was also thinking, like, she's also probably busier than Hazel and Paige with her modeling career. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, let's hope that's the case. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so Dylan's driving, and Dylan says hi, and oh my god, the gay baby vibes in this exchange. <laughs> I died this whole episode for many reasons, but this, this moment... Like... Marco, I really appreciate the way that Marco, I feel like the older I get, the more I appreciate how Marco kind of is played in this, because, like, the way that he makes certain faces and awkwardly kind of smiles and waves and things like that, and, like, this way that he, you can tell, like, the gears are being to turn, that he might have a crush, but he's not really sure, and also this is all new anyway, like, it's just, like, the, the gay baby vibes throughout this episode are mm. so intense. I actually asked you, like, while we're rewatching the episode, like, is Marco gay? Like, the actor, sorry, is the Marco's actor gay? Yeah, and he is. He is. Like, he, he came out a little later. I think he still came out while on Degrassi. If not, it was, like, immediately after he left Degrassi. But, like, he, he's been he's been very out and very, like, mm -hmm. explicitly out for a while. Because, like, he, yeah, he just Im really embodies, yeah. like, a gay character and gay feelings. Like... On everything, like, that Marco was doing, 
I feel like I have personally like felt at some point. Yeah. It's it's like a very strong like thing that I really don't see in a lot of other media. It's, yeah. There's there's something about it and like I I will say that I'm sure some of the screenplay the way that the teleplay was written and things like that like I'm sure it lended itself oh, definitely. to it. But I do think that there is the way that he, as well as Dylan's actor to a certain extent, play off of each other and the energy that they're bringing to it that really seals the deal. It's it's very much this, like, this sensation that I, as an LGBTQ... I'm not all the acronym. As a, <laughs> as a queer trans viewer could feel the energy of and could imagine and remember being in those moments myself. It's... Mm -hmm. It's done very well in that sense where, I don't know, I just really appreciate it. I, I think it also goes back to that whole entire idea of like what makes Degrassi so delightful when it comes to this stuff in the sense that these are kids playing these roles and these are kids acting these things out. And even if they talk about sex and things like that, at the end of the day, it's not an explicit show. Yeah. So you get to enjoy and kind of revel in these cute moments of crushes and things like that because they are done so sincerely and so age appropriately that you also get that energy just from that alone so it's just this kind of really perfect combination of things that are happening in it but mm -hmm. um they go to the beach the whole crew spills out of the car so we have dylan and marco in the front we have Paige, spinner hazel jimmy and ellie <clears throat> All going to the beach together. Um, Paige tries to get Spinner to carry towels. And he is outraged because what if he's holding them and he looks like a homo? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the only thing about... It, I mean, like, it's not, like, bad writing exactly. But it's... You know exactly what the theme of the episode is going to be. Because this is, like... Yeah. This is, like, this maybe the third line spoken in the episode. Yeah. And what I will say, what I will give... The writers with this, even though it is a bit heavy-handed. It's still a kid's show. It's still a kid's show, and it's also consistent to how we have established some of these characters mm -hmm. in terms of how they handle Marco potentially being gay in the first place. We know the Spinner's uncomfortable with it. Right. We know that he's homophobic. Um, you know, he did not, in the episodes, I think it was only Sean that used the F word in past episodes. I don't think Spinner mm. did. But we still know that he's uncomfortable with it, and we also know that Jimmy seems to be pretty okay with LGBTQ folks. It's just a matter of he he talks in a way that's very obvious to me that he's probably been told not to be homophobic and transphobic, but may not necessarily know people explicitly who are out as members mm. of the community. So that carries through a lot in this. And, and, you know, you have Spinner having this big deal of like, oh... I don't want to be looked at like a homo. And Dylan does this great stare down to kind of de-escalate the situation, which I really appreciate. Because mm -hmm. there's this very good thing that's happening here where I think Dylan's still an awkward kid in many ways, even though he looks much older. He still is, gives that energy of being a kid, but also gives that energy of what it's like to be an out mm -hmm. high schooler to going into college type deal. Like, I, like there's a confidence about him because he's out and because his family knows and because he... He, isn't, he doesn't really have anything to lose in that department. Yeah. So he's able to assert himself in various ways. And this is one example of it that he can just kind of insert himself in this moment and try and put Spitter in his place. Yeah. Which I really like. Agree with that. Um, so he de-escalates the situation. Um, 
then the next time we see the scene, everyone's walking toward the beach, um, and Ellie is kind of stomping and sulking, and the reason why is because she's mad at Marco, and when they're talking about it, she's mad because Marco did no nothing to really correct Spinner when he initially was like, oh, you want to sit next to your girl and things like that, like, didn't make any effort to say, that, to reiterate that they broke up. So, you know, Marco's just like, okay, like, I will, it's fine, we are just friends, just friends. Like, you know, he's mm -hmm. really trying to remind himself of kind of the narrative that he and Ellie agreed to versus the one that's safe for him. Yeah. And, because this is one of the first times we really see them out and about with this whole entire thing. Like, we didn't know what happened over the summer, but we did know at the end of season two, they had a huge riff because of this, and they promised to each other that, you know, they were going to try and work on this. But we see Marco feeling comfortable again in, in hiding behind it. So, um, we have a big volleyball montage. Um, Spinner gets his ass beat. Um, and, um... Dylan, at the end of it, offers all of them, like, offers them tickets to his junior hockey game. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, he's like, I would love you guys to come. So, we know he's a jock. Um, a hockey jock. And, um, Marco and him eventually kind of have an exchange. And it's really cute. Because it's, like, it's very flirty, but also, like, very nervous. And the mm -hmm. whole entire kind of, like... The, the, thesis, the thesis of this whole entire thing is Marco learning how to serve. But the way that Dylan is trying to show him doing it is super flirty, and Marco's kind of... Ah, it's like, it's a situation I, I've been in at least once, mm -hmm. but, like, where Marco definitely, like, is realizing, like, oh, wait, I definitely do have a crush on this person... I am in way over my head right now. This is, can't be happening. Not yet. Nope, not right now. Yeah, right. Right. And, and then uh, Dylan does the, does the shoulder touch. Uh, yeah. And, and then Marco licks his lips. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then, like, immediately after that, he's like, wait, no. Nope. Shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> Shut it down. Yeah, like, then, it's like. Then Dylan does it again just goes, hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like. Spider-Verse references. It's. <laughs> It's like, yeah, no, it's just like super flirty and awkward and I mean, it's, it's what it's like. And I feel like there is this, uh, there's this like strangely authentic aspect to it that makes, even though this, these, these, you know, this plot goes into really dark directions, there are these very sweet moments that kind of keep you together, for lack of better terms. Mm -hmm. Um, the, uh, <sighs> Like, this is all, like, awesome. I do want to make mention of my favorite scene in this episode of Ellie sitting on the beach reading underneath her parasol. Yes, that's very important. During the volleyball montage, there is a shot of Ellie, who I have done the same exact thing because I spent a summer on Accutane, and my parents were like, well, we're still going to the beach. So I had to legitimately sit around with the parasol because it's like, if you've been on Accutane, you know. Like, your skin just is super sensitive. It's super photosensitive. So, like, if you, you know, if you are on the beach, you got to make sure you're protected. So, like, I felt that. And I was like, ah, oh, kindred spirit. I love you. And this is also the moment I texted um, Donnie. And it was like, this week's themes, uh, being true to yourself and put upon golf girlfriends. That's true. 
That mm-hmm. is very true. Those two pals are going through very similar situations. <laughs> um, but um, it's but yeah, no, it's it's very nice. And then Dylan and Paige talk, and the way that they talk is also very real as fuck. Because like while mm-hmm. I've never had this conversation with a sibling, I know I've had this conversation with other mm-hmm. people. Um, which is just Dylan being like, is Marco, <laughs> so yeah. is Marco single? Because <laughs> he's gay, right? <laughs> like, I'm not being presumptuous here, am I? <laughs> and then she's just like, oh no, he and Ellie are soulmates. And no, fucking Hazel walks in, has the best segue I've ever heard, which is, I'm who's gay <laughs> and, and like you know Paige Paige kind of gives the cliff notes on Hazel's conversation on uh, on what happened and Hazel's just like you know um you know I went through a Marco phase like I know for a fact like he and Ellie are like meant to be like mm-hmm. it you know don't even bother trying to get in the middle of that it's not gonna happen god I wish there was just a cut to a scene of them sitting like 10 feet apart from one another <laughs> I know right mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, there's, like, this just very real conversation that they're having. And then, of, of course, to kind of break it up before it kept going, there's guys jogging. They all just kind of, like, catcall and flirt, try to flirt with the joggers. Um, which is a little weird, but I do appreciate, as weird as it is, I do appreciate that it does kind of establish that Paige and Dylan are close. And, like, they do... Mm-hmm. They, like, they, they have a relationship with They you. talk about men together. Yeah, which is sweet. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, that, for me, that made sense to me after the season two finale where Paige was in the tanning, um, Paige was in the tanning, uh, salon, like, looking at that bodybuilder magazine and just, like, ogling the, ce- the centerfold. Oh, my God. They definitely have the same taste in men. <laughs> Holy shit. Sorry. The cats were being cute. So, see, this is the problem. The answer to my question of, are the cats going to be a problem when recording? The issue is not actually the cats themselves. They're fine. It's everybody feeling the need to look at them in the middle of recording, which I understand they're very cute. I'm not denying how cute my cats are. I have beautiful daughters. <laughs> I have beautiful daughters. They're so sleepy. They're sleepy because they're babies. But, um, by the way, I feel it's important to mention adopt, don't shop. I adopted these girls, and you should adopt your own. Um, anyway, a little plug. Um, but yeah, no, Paige and Dylan definitely have the same taste in boys. That's yeah. what that reads to me. Yeah. <laughs> but that that whole scene there is also is set up for more spinner comments. Yeah, yeah. Like, how could he do that? He that's so gross. And then Jimmy <laughs> is just like really like snide toward him and is like, You realize that like he's like spinner's like, how could you like touch a dude like that? Blah blah blah. Jimmy's like, You realize you were touching Marco like just now. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then he and then Spinner does the classic, like, why don't you just put all the gay people on an island type yeah. type shit, which is so of the time period, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like I heard that a whole lot during that time period. Like, that's the thing. It's like, as painful as it is to kind of hear a character say this type of shit. It feels accurate. Yeah. yeah. It, it, especially as somebody who was in the process of coming out and figuring out my identity in high school during this time period. 
it it sounds like a pretty consistent take on it. But um so you know, Spinner just kind of like uh, and like tries to like hit Jimmy in the face with a water gun and as that whole entire thing is happening, Marco is rattled, but he still he doesn't say anything. Mm -hmm. Um which is very consistent and very real <laughs> and that's what I kind of appreciate about Marco is that and we've talked about this a bit, Frank, in the past, how Marco is not the loudest character in many ways. He is not the one who is going to be screaming things literally or anyway from the top of his lungs. His personality doesn't take as much space as Pages does or other characters. And he is someone who is going to be a little more cautious and quiet and things like that. And that might be the because he is closeted and might be naturally his personality. But there's something very nice about seeing a character who isn't necessarily going to just be a mouthpiece for the writers about why, like, you know, it's why you should be gay and why it's important. It's a kid just trying to figure out shit. He has very relatable lines in this episode. He's that, a that I, keep going. I related to him so deeply as a kid. Mm -hmm. I relate to him now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Still. Like, still, still. But, like, as a kid growing up, being Italian-American, in my case, I mean, he's Italian-Canadian in that. But I, like, really related to his cultural issue, you know, his cultural conflict with this. I related to him as a character because his personality is more my personality. Like... <sighs> It was really important to have someone like him while I was figuring this shit out at the same time. Uh, yeah, that's... I have a point to make when we get there, but yeah. I don't want to jump ahead, so... Yeah, so well, shall we, we keep, keep going? going? But yeah. Uh, they're all, like, hanging out at the, at the grill. They're having a horrible cookout. It's it's really gross. Can we the, talk about the, the mayo sandwiches yeah. and burnt-up hot dogs? And... I, li I literally wrote so much mayo, like, and... This is gross. The burnt half a hot... It's like half a hot dog dangling by like a little bit of hot dog skin. Yeah. Like, I was like, why? Like, don't get me wrong. It's not easy to cook a hot dog over a fire. <laughs> I, as somebody who has ran a camp, can speak to that. I know that's not the easiest thing to do. Regardless, like, they did not know what they were doing. Like, mm -hmm. it was awful. It was hard to watch. Um, Making and you know, marshmallows too. Yeah, like Spinner's <laughs> doing a horrible time, like having a horrible time trying to cook a marshmallow. He just like scorches the damn thing. Paige is giving very specific instructions and yeah. they're not being followed at all. Yeah, she's just like, uh, this is carcinogenic and I must go. Like, mm -hmm. she's just not having it, which to be fair, when they get that mm -hmm. black <laughs> and burnt, they're not tasty anyway. So yeah. I feel you, Paige. Yeah. Also being a camp director, I learned a whole lot on how to make a good marshmallow. Yeah. Skills I bring to the table. And this whole time, uh, Ellie's playing the guitar. And this is really comforting, like, just like just little, little chords. Yeah. And it, just, it feels very nice. And I, I didn't realize it was a soundtrack at first. It wasn't the soundtrack at first. Yeah. It's really sweet. And, like, mm -hmm. it really kind of sets the, the vibe in a good way of, like, what it's like, especially, like, you know, at the end as you're winding down after a day at the beach. It was, like, really good in that sense. And, of course, Spinner sees this as an opportunity to push Marco and Ellie uh, together, and he's just like, oh, be a good boyfriend, and go, like, you know, go be next to her. And Marco just does his really awkward, like, trying to, like, <clears throat> get his arm around her thing, and it's hard to watch. He, he ends up putting his hand on, like, 
the shoulder closest to him. Yeah, it just, just like, claw like, hands it. Like, it's, 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 like, not around her. It's very weird. Yeah. And awkward. He's done this before, though, where he's, like, not been able to, like, actually, like, touch her. And I, I appreciate how incredibly awkward he is toward it. Because, like, I know with me, like, even being affectionate toward friends was something I really didn't get good at until I was, like, in my mid-20s. Like, mm-hmm. as a teenager, especially as a teenager who was not necessarily out, I feel like showing any intimacy is a terrifying prospect, even if it's somebody that, like, is your friend, and even if it's somebody who's supposed to be your girlfriend or whatever or whatever. Yeah. And I really like that it's, like, he, it's like his brain is trying to be like, go do it, go do it, go do it, and his body's just like, uh, 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 uh. no. Yeah, like, it's just, like, it's a really nice little <laughs> consistency that we see with him. Um... And Ellie is just like, no, like, I'm like, no, don't do this. And Paige is like, you know, you two can do PDA. You are together. And Ellie just goes, no, we broke up. And Marco kind of takes this as a moment to just kind of get up and leave. And Dylan looks really concerned. Yeah. And this is like, I, I think, I think we mentioned it before, but like, this is like one of our favorite scenes. It goes into our favorite, one of our favorite yeah, scenes. Yeah, it goes into our favorite scene where Marco is just sitting on the rocks next to the, like, next to the water. Yeah. And Dylan just comes down and just sits next to him and it's just completely silent. Mm. But like, they're both there, like, acknowledging each other. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting does Dylan say you are you okay? Like I don't even know if he does. I don't think I don't he think actually so. does. I think, I think it's, it's just it's like silent. it's a pretty wordless. There's like music playing, but that's kind of the extent of it. It's very loud music. Yeah, it is. It's like very <laughs> oddly mixed in. But um, it's interesting because when I was a kid and I was watching this scene, I didn't really get it. I wanted there to be lines. Like I wanted there to be an exchange. Now that I'm a little older, I've had more experience with people and. Honestly, at this point in my life, now that I know more people who are LGBTQ, I think I understand the scene a little more. Saying nothing, but just... I, I feel like... Well, Marco... Dylan knows Marco knows that he's gay. Yeah. So, it's it's kind of like... a He's just being there like, look, I'm gay. I'm here. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm just gonna sit here and be an example for you. Like... You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's, um... It's... It's an interesting one. Like I said, like, it's something that... I feel like you don't really know until, like, you have a lot more people in your life who are in this community. And how, like... I don't know, just just being there and being present with somebody and just kind of... I don't know... It's, it's like the 2 a.m. like the 2 a.m. hangout, but <laughs> but it's not at 2 a.m. because they're still babies. Little babies. I, <laughs> sorry, um, I'm just thinking this is a, that's a very Jersey reference. I feel. We have diners that are open past 10, so... Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. But, like, you know, I, I think other people can relate to that, though, where you're, like, with somebody and, um, you know, you're just platonically holding someone and it's 2 a.m. and you're emotional. Yeah. It's just me. It can't be just me. <laughs> oh, it's it's not just you. But, like... Okay. Um, it's just... 
nice to have something be subtle on the show. Yeah, yeah, like, there's, there's this sincerity, there's this sincerity they're really trying with the Dylan-Marco dynamic, which I really appreciate. Yeah, and I do feel, really feel like it fits Marco's character so much for him not, like, just to not be able to say anything. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because it's, like, yeah, because it's incredibly hard. Even even if you aren't necessarily a quiet kid like Marco, or like a quieter kid like Marco, because it's a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna pull it back out for a joke. Uh, not really a joke, but I can't remember. I have a note down here. I'm not sure whenever they actually say it, but Paige at one point says, "Come out." Oh, she is such. Her, her accent, accent comes <laughs> out. Comes out. I don't know. Comes out. <laughs> It, it it comes it comes out like nobody's business like it comes out in her about like she she truly says a boot like truly says it and like I love her dearly it's really funny when it comes comes out because it's just like wham like just so you know I'm Canadian <laughs> I love her but um Paige and Spinner talk, are talking about this in the next scene. Um, Spinner is really shocked that Marco and Ellie broke up, and Paige is like, well, I don't know about this. Um, and Spinner is, like, super hurt. He's like, why didn't I know? Marco is my best, one of my best friends. And Paige admits that, um, you know, Dylan has a theory that Marco might be gay. And she's, like, already in. She's already, like, Dylan and Marco. That's a good couple. Yeah, mm-hmm. hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Which is, like, really funny. And I feel like very teenage girl logic, which is, like, Marco is my friend. Dylan is my brother. I like hanging out with both of you. Actually, that is a fi- That's literally the premise of a young adult book that I just finished up reading. So, like, <laughs> it, it's very much, um, you know, that kind of vibe of, um, you know, this, this is something convenient. Also, I think that they're nice. Um, and Spinner is really disgusted by the premise of it, and, you know, is just like, Marco's not gay, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. He's, like, not having it. Yeah, and she's just like, well, like, you have to, because he's Marco. You have to deal with it. Yeah. And and that's what I really like about it. I like that Paige, and I, I, get, I get, like, Paige just has more experience with this at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of speaks to how you have to deal with this type of stuff. Like, after you know more people in your life who have gone through the coming out experience, you kind of get very just like, well, you got, this is it. Like, this is what the situation is, and you just got to deal with it. And the fact that she had somebody who is so close to her, literally her older brother, come out to her. Like, she she's had to... Oh, you scared them. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Frank came back in the room and he was trying to be so gentle and both of my girls just jumped to the other end of the futon. <laughs> They're so cute. I'm so sorry for waking you up. Because <laughs> they did a tandem jump. They didn't quite make <laughs> They're so cute. But, um, anyway... So, so there's this very real, um, aspect of it where Paige is like, you gotta fucking deal with it, because that's just the way it is. And Spinner, being somebody who thinks that this is more of a choice, and thinks that this is something, like, you know, his friend does not have to do, is gonna look at it as something that's conditional, and something that, you know, Mm. can be changed in some way. Right. It doesn't fit the narrative that he wants, so he Mm -hmm. can rebuke it. And so we move on to the next part of oh my Marco's God. More journey. More gay baby. 
Oh yeah. my god, he's like putting on like a, a Toronto Leafs jersey. He's like making sure he looks good. And the, the denial. The uh, denial phase. He Here like, we are. He puts it on. He's like, he shoots, he scores. And I'm just like, stop! We've it's, all been there. It's the last ditch. It's the last one. And then and then you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it's just it's just the way it is. Like, I get mm-hmm. it, kid. I get it. Last last try to see if anyone was actually, what if they were all right? And it was actually a choice. And here I am now. <laughs> well, I think it's a little more than that. You know what I mean. Yeah, it's, I do. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so, oh, what a gay baby panic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like. So he he approaches, um, you know, Jimmy, Craig, and Spinner, and Jimmy is just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever, and Spinner is like a total dick about this. He tries to ask him a question, um, asking about a trade using the Washington football team, obviously being the trick. Mm-hmm. Marco cannot even identify that it's a football-related question, and, and Spinner, yeah. yeah, Spinner's just like, such a fucking poser. Basically. Um... Yeah, and and Craig just thinks the whole exchange is really fucking weird. Because, like, I mean, this is just... This is just not what Craig does. And Craig is such an interesting oddball in this group. I feel like they kind of... I guess they kind of ran into... The only guess that I can have here is the writers were kind of in a weird hole with him. Because, like, his big connection for a while was Sean. And I think they realized that they wanted to go with Sean's characterization in a certain direction that was a little meaner... And a little more problematic compared to what they wanted Craig to come off as. And I feel like then they realized that they just kind of had to go all in on Craig being one of the boys with a Z. Without, like, Sean being a connector of any sort. And and sometimes it, it comes off very odd. And I feel like this is a moment where, like, Craig has no investment in what is happening in this story right now. <laughs> like, he got tickets to this game, I think. But also, he wasn't actually there when the tickets were offered (laughs) yeah like it it just kind of feels like sometimes the uh the combination doesn't quite work regardless he thinks the whole exchange is fucking odd um marco meanwhile swings by the office where dylan is making copies um and dylan dylan checks in about the beach and like you know how it was it and then Says that Marco is a friend, is a fan of. He calls them the buds. The buds. Yeah, this has to be a leaf thing. I just don't I, it's know. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. It's it's gotta be a little inside baseball Canadian hockey reference. Yeah, like that has to be. I mean, I'm sure of it. I'm not even gonna. I I'm just going to say with certainty that's definitely just a thing. Um, and then fucking Jay appears, which doesn't mean anything to YouTube, but means a lot to veterans. Because fucking Jay, I forgot this is how he gets introduced. Sorry, everybody, you're stuck with him. Mm. Have fun! Not a fan yet, uh, you know, as of yet. Yeah, um, he fucking just materializes. Jay, I looked the actor up, he's only like three years older than a lot of the kids on the show. So in the grand scheme of things, he's not actually that much older than a lot of the actors. And yet, he just, I think puberty hit him like a fucking freight train, I guess. Because he can grow, like, a full fucking beard. He looks like he's, like, significantly older. I looked it up because I was curious. He's, like, the dark version of what Spinner might become. Yeah. Yeah. 
I see that. Yeah, he just like comes in and he just has this horrible energy. Um, and he just looks at Marco and he goes, Hey buddy, better not drop anything in front of Homo Chuck. Yeah. It it was kind of like using him as a foil like it's it's him and Oh god, what's his name? Uh what's the brother's name? Dylan. Dylan, yeah. Him and Dylan as a foil for Marco and uh Spinner. Yeah. And Dylan just acts just so confidently and aggressive, but like also aggressively. Yeah, he just fucking tosses a book at Jay's feet and like scares him off. And yeah, just like dead eye stares at him. Yeah, he's very good at it. I mean, we've seen him do that before. This is clearly like his mm-hmm. way of kind of dealing with. And it should also be noted, like Dylan has a a physical upper hand in a lot of these situations. He's a hockey player. Mm-hmm. He, he's buff. He's buff. He's tall. He's athletic. He he's had to deal with quite a bit of bullshit if he wanted to work at, be in a team sport in general. So, of course, he's going to have a lot more confidence than Marco is, who consistently throughout the series since he's been introduced has been labeled as very feminine and has been and you know gets a lot of shit for it. So you see where Dylan has this place of comfort, not just in the fact that he's more confident in his identity, but also that he knows how to use his physicality. We have a cat. Mm-hmm. We have a cat recording with us. Miss Basil has joined us. I, um... It's a wiggly cat. She's wiggly. She's also seven months old. She's... Mm-hmm. She's a wiggly girl. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Marco, after seeing this display, goes and actually picks up Dylan's book and hands it to him. And it's, yeah. more, it's more of that little flirting, like, I I feel like this way of, like, p- him actually initiating the conversation and, like, giving him the book was uh, kind of his, like, way of, like, coming out to Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It's it's definitely one of those kind of moments where there's a lot of things that are not explicit, but if you know how to speak gay, <laughs> like you know exactly what this episode is trying to say and what these mm-hmm. characters are trying to do. Well, I, I think, you know, we keep coming back to volleyball. Once again, don't want to give the writers too much credit, but I think it's like a serve, counter-serve kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I yes. think I think there is something to be said about that. There is definitely like a a volleying of sorts that is yeah. happening between Marco and Dylan. Yeah. I, I like it because in the sense that you can tell that this feeling is mutual. Yeah. And mm-hmm. while the two of them are not necessarily, you know, certain on how to navigate it in different ways, like you can tell that there is a feeling that's mutual. It's not trying to put Marco in this really dark place where he's, like, crushing on someone and not interested in him and he has to deal with that on top of figuring out if he's gay. There's this nice type of dance of sorts, this volley of sorts that is happening throughout this episode between the two of them. (laughs) So the next time we see everything, we see Spinner at a distance watching Marco interact with girls and of course, the way that Marco was interacting with girls, he's he's very comfortable with them, and he's very friendly with them, and he speaks in a way that's not the same that he speaks to the guys. His voice is a little higher, it has a little more, like, you know, it, it moves in a way that's more melodic than when he's talking mm-hmm. to the guys, where he speaks a little lower, 
And not necessarily that he speaks monotone. He's not really a monotone speaker, but... It's just code switching. Exactly. It is. Yeah. It's that, you know, it's just the comfort level and, and the way mm-hmm. that he says things and the language that he's... And the way that he moves is very different because he's with girls and he feels comfortable. And when Spinner is in science class with Marco, he asks, like, you know, why did Marco break up with Ellie? And, and Marco says, like, you know, it's kind of like we're just siblings... Mm-hmm. And Spinner goes, okay, and, like, accepts that, but then goes, like, why don't you date Hazel? Poor Hazel's in the distance, just kind of like, uh, what? <laughs> You're talking about me? What the fuck? Um, and Marco's just like, uh, great, yeah, sure. Um, so Spinner already is like, okay, let's, 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 uh, let's go, uh, do a little date date. It'll be great. It'll mm-hmm. be great. Um, so the kids go to... The same diner they go been going to? Yeah, it's yeah. the dot. Um, the, the dot. The dot. Which, I don't know if they've actually called... No, they call it the dot in this episode, yes. I don't know if this is... This might be the first time we really establish it as the dot. It's kind of like one of the go-to settings in Degrassi, so it's nice to see it kind of rise to prominence as its own place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have finally arrived at the, like, sitcom <laughs> thing, like, and they have a... Everyone going to the coffee shop. We're going to the Max. Or whatever the fuck the one in Angel Grove is called. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good. I like the dot. I like it as a as it functions like that because it's a place that I could see kids hanging out in. Did did you all have like a a hangout place like We did. When when you grew up? Yeah. Um we had the Seville Diner. Which was like a really low tier diner that the kids would go to. Um, I don't even want to think about how many horrible tips I left oh, to God. those poor wait staff because I was a shithead child. Um, so that was a big place. Um, there was also a bagel place that once we were in high school that we would hang out in quite a bit. Um, there was also the Applebee's, which was in a strip mall. And then nowadays in the town that I hang out in, a lo- uh, that I live in, a lot of the kids like to hang out at the uh, bubble tea poke place that opened up mm. last year. So cute. Yeah, it's really cute. They like study for their APs and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. Um, so yeah, it is definitely, I should, I should also note that the town that I lived in and the town that I live in now are both very walkable. So I feel like a lot of these locations, like, kind of lent itself to kids hanging out in them because they were within walking distance of the schools. How about you two? Well, I... My hometown was not very walkable at all. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of... We'd all get driven to one place. (laughs) That was the Applebee's for us. (laughs) We'd all get get driven to one place, and then if we could walk somewhere from there, so, like, we'd get dropped off at, like the bowling alley and then okay. we, and then we walk over to like there's like a dollar store near in the back and there's a parking lot and it was like basically like a maybe like an eight foot drop off or something and we'd like sit on the edge of that and we like hang out and listen to tunes yeah i know exactly what you're talking about I, and we were super edgy it was uh, we all called it suicide hill Oh, because man, it was very that was high. Very edgy. Oh shit. Uh, and there was also a smaller one we called Homicide Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I was really bad. Neither of these are particularly catchy. They're just like the type of shit that teenagers come up with. Oh, I know. It was, yeah, it was bad. 
Uh, I grew up in a uh, town that was right by the water, um, so we had the harbor. Mm-hmm. I never really went down to the harbor because I was too busy isolating myself um, out of anxiety and depression. Real. There was uh, one night towards my senior in my senior year of high school when I was kind of coming out of my shell. But uh, one night, my sister and my friend Mike and another friend. Um, they had found a wagon in the, uh, garbage, and there were some very Real. steep hills reading, leading up to the, um, leading up to the houses, and we decided to take the wagon down the hill. Yeah, that sounds about right. At one point, Mike threw the handles of the wagon forward, and it bent the bottom of the wagon as it, like, you know, physics lesson, hit into the ground, and then oh. pushed backwards. Oof. And it flipped, I saw my one friend fly over, like, fly past all of us. And then my sister and I, like, one last ride. We got, like, halfway down, and that thing just flipped again. Susie, like, fell up first. And I, like, flew over her and, like, landed farther down the hill. And as I'm laying there, I'm like, I wonder where the wagon is. Slam. Oh, <laughs> right no. into my head. <gasps> That was a fun night. Yeah, sounds like it. Ouch. <laughs> I think Ugh. we just left the wagon there. <laughs> yeah, you probably did. Knowing how kids are, you probably did. Um, but yeah. Uh, they go to the dot. So I, I think the dot is very realistic. Yeah. It looks like it's within walking distance of the school as well, which is, you know, the, the, key, the key selling point at these types of locations. Well, we've seen just weird, um, out of context, outdoor shots of... Whatever town Degrassi's in. And so I'm, I'm still constantly like, I don't know how big or how small this town is. So I mean, from my understanding, this is like kind of like a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's not super, it's not like city, city, city. It's not like, you know, the, the main areas of Toronto, but it's still like, you know, the suburbs that are pretty developed and things like that. So um, I'm trying to remember, we had a, a listener show us kind of, like, on a map everything, which was super helpful, and of course, now that I'm recording, all of it is, like, I'm blanking out, I'm looking at my cat, I'm very distracted, um, she's just so cute, I can't stand it, but, um, so, so it's just kind of, like, of course, like, now that I'm in a moment where I could easily recall, I wish I could easily recall it, but, um, you know, it's, it's an area that kids walk around and things like that. So, the dot makes sense as a hangout. Um, as they're at it, Marco <laughs> is talking about kind of like, it sounds like a rom-com he's talking about. It sounds like a rom-com, but also I, I wasn't sure if it was, it was either a rom-com or a very terrifying story i don't know it was like a movie for sure but i couldn't figure out if it was like just like a foreign language film that because we know like, that he's interested in those yeah it's, it kind of sounds like the english patient like yeah you know? it's just like yeah it's just a peculiar um it's just a peculiar thing and hazel you know is, is a totally like laughing and flirty about it and she's like oh like we if you don't mind seeing it again i'd love to see it and you know mm-hmm. all doing all that type of stuff um and marco goes to like marco's like oh yeah haha and then goes to like get drinks mm-hmm. ends up having to get drinks for everybody um and as he goes up to go get the refills ellie appears next to him 
and Hazel then tries to insert herself to flirt with Marco, and Ellie is just giving him, like, faces. Like, she's just, it, it's the, it's the look of, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's is so much worse. It's 100% the face that she is giving. Yeah. And, like, it's... It's interesting because it's like I don't think Ellie's necessarily doing the right thing, but I understand why she's doing it. Yeah. I, I think that it, it kind of goes back to the conflicts that she was dealing with with this story in the first place, which is that she sees this as a pretty... I feel like she sees it in a way that's more black and white than it actually is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the constant thread of her in this situation is she sees it as okay, you're gay, so own it, and don't, you know, drag people into that narrative in it's the like, Yeah, it's like, I love you, I support you, obviously everyone will do the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it comes from this, like, place of, I mean, it just comes from a place of ignorance, not necessarily in a violent way, but just in a way that she just, it's easy for her to see it from her perspective because she still loves and, accept, and accepts him. And, you know, doesn't understand, truly understand for him what is on the line, or even if it's not necessarily the end of the world with these situations, how scary that is, and how much that warps your sense of safety. It does. I I might just be seeing this from my own viewpoint, but the way I read this scene is it's just like, oh, so you've chosen these people over me. Mm. Because, like, the one, the main tenet of their relationship was whatever happens, let's continue being friends. Yeah. Mm. So, like, you know, Ellie had a terrible time at the beach. And I do feel like, you know, you... Like, Ellie's understanding, but I do feel like there needs to be some recompense made for, like, hey, you dragged me to the beach, I didn't want to be here, you made me hang out with Paige, who I don't like. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the next thing she sees is Marco with that group, with a dude... Who is awful. Yeah. And, like, if I'm Ellie, my thought is going to be, like, oh, well, if he can't fit in, if he can't hide with me, he's chosen to hide with them. That's a fair read, too. Yeah. I don't think either read is necessarily wrong in this one. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Like, I, I think the, it's still, like, the general, uh, the essence is still there. Yeah. yeah. She's angry that. A, he's still hiding. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's anger that he's hiding. Yeah, that, and B, that, like, it's not, that like, their relationship has been impacted. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, um, I, yeah, I agree that it's probably both, because, like, Ellie I seems to have a much uh, deeper or mu- uh, much larger internal life than most Anybody. Of, yeah, most of those <laughs> other people. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> um, I feel like Spinner's in a life is like, I like food and hanging out with Paige. I like cheese, spray cheese. <laughs> oh, God damn it, I forgot about that. <laughs> How could you ever forget? Um, anyway, so Marco looks very rattled when he returns to the table and everyone's talking about movies. And then he kind of abruptly says that he has to go help his mom with his pasta sauce. The pasta. Uh, the pasta sauce. Um, and Hazel is just kind of like, you know, like, did I do something wrong? Paige just kind of shrugs, because she's already, like, whole hog in this Marco is definitely gay idea. And Spinner gets up to go confront Marco. And the final scene of the episode 
is one that I remember very distinctly from my youth. I remember this whole episode, the, both of these episodes very distinctly for many reasons, but um, Spinner confronts Marco about it and, like, is very violent with Marco about it. Like, shoves him into a wall mm-hmm. and everything. Like, he's very physical as he's asking, like, you know, why aren't you? Like, you know, what's up? You're leaving Paige hanging. Like, she's a gorgeous girl. What's wrong with you? Literally calls him a psycho. Yeah. Which is, you know... Not great. No, not not at all. Like, but it also speaks to, like, how fucking twisted Spinner's logic is that, like, he is so... He does not, like, he does not understand how the fuck people are gay. Or, like, even, like, what that what that means, what it is. Like, what yeah. it's... He, he's just entirely, like, just has a fundamental misunderstanding of it. To a mm-hmm. point that he thinks that, you know, they're... I mean, it goes back to that very old school mentality that, like, you know, being... If you are gay, you are mentally ill. And, like, that is the mental illness, is being gay. Right. It comes... Kind of comes back to that. You know, it... it Obviously, that's a huge jump. I don't think Spinner's sitting there actually making those, connecting those dots. But in many ways, he is kind of exemplifying this very old school mentality of, like... Of how being gay is a choice and... You know, if you can't, if you can't shut it off, then it's an illness and things like that. Um, and Marco just comes out to him. He's just like, and he's like, you know, why can't you do this? Like, why are you just avoiding this? Like, You have to explain it to me yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. And Marco just says in a really broken voice, because I'm gay. The, his voice was really the, a huge thing for me. Is Like, he's extremely emotional. Like, it's, it's a very, emo- like emotionally kind of perfect uh scene yeah yeah and i think it's another one that i didn't really understand the emotions of until i got older right because i found the way that he kind of delivers it a little odd growing up Mm -hmm. because he does say it you know like i don't know how to say like he says it in a way that's uh, i don't want to say ugly but i kind of want to say that in the sense that like it's not it's not, like, fluid. It's very, like, he kind of chokes on it, in a way. Like, he's very apprehensive to say the word gay. And, like, he's very scared to say it out loud. Which and is he- absolutely, like, 100% how I feel, like, a lot of people would feel. And, yeah. like, it's just, it's another, like, instance of, like, his mind and his body not working together. Yeah. And, and, like, I think really the, the stuttering, the, the apprehension, is not necessarily on the word gay, but it's the I'm, yeah. in a way. It's like, it's like he can say the word gay. Like, that's not impossible, but to say I'm gay is really the part that he is struggling with the most. Yeah. And, and I thought I was really odd as a kid. But now that I'm older and I've lived a lot more of that experience and I know more people who have experienced it, I get it a lot more. Mm-hmm. how this is so such a distressing thing to say and such a distressing thing to admit to somebody, especially yeah. when you feel that your back is literally against a wall. For sure. So that's the end of the first part. Oh, my God. Jesus, fuck. But um, <sighs> I need to stop looking at my cats and I need to keep going. So the first part of this, the first scene of the second episode is Marco coming to school and Spinner is kind of farting around with his skateboard. And... As he's farting around with his skateboard, um, Marco goes up to him and asks Spinner if he's told anyone. 
Um, and, you know, Spinner plays dumb and kind of baits Marco into saying what he was talking about yesterday again. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just has to repeat, like, you know, me, you know, me saying that I'm gay. And, like, you know, putting him in this really awkward position where he has to be vulnerable again to an asshole. The, this, like, this was a turn for me, like, in my the feelings towards Spinner. Yeah. Because, like... The first episode, I can buy ignorance. This was maliciousness. Yeah, yeah. He he feels that he is wronged because yeah. of the fact that Marco is gay. Mm-hmm. Which is horrendous in I, many ways. I feel betrayed because of who you are. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is not what I signed up for as your friend. Yeah. It's also another thing um, with the like, just the whole queer experience. Having to come out a second time to yeah. the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Which is mortifying, but happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. I've had to do it so many fucking times <laughs> with some people. It It's rough. Um, and, you know, just kind of feeling like you are putting yourself in the same exact fucking place, broken place you had to in the first place. Mm-hmm. And Spinner's way to react to it is horrible because he's just like, well, maybe I did tell people and maybe I didn't. Mm-hmm. It's it's vile, it's vile. Um, Marco then sees Ellie. Ellie affirms that you know Marco's secret is safe. Um, and when Marco walks into Jimmy and Craig's conversation, it's um, they're talking about keeping a huge secret and having to keep it safe. And of course, Marco's like, "What? What secret? Mm-hmm. Ha ha." Um, and they were actually just covering up Spinner's plans for Paige's Sweet Sixteen. Um, and then, um, the next scene that we have with the scene, I mean, Marco reacts like, I'll keep this secret! No problem. I got you. I'm so <laughs> good. I got you. I know yeah. how to keep a secret. <laughs> I'm so good at keeping secrets. He throws his arms around Jimmy and Craig in relief. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. Oh, Okay. <laughs> They're both just kind of like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, like, all right, dude. Okay. Um, the next scene comes in. Craig is like the transition of it is like Craig being upset about soil erosion, which is really funny um, and really endearing. And I love. I, yes, thank you, Craig. Um, and you know the guys are kind of walking around. Dylan drops by and he gives them all hockey tickets, but it's Craig, Jimmy, and Spinner who are together because. Dylan drops off the tickets and he's like, oh, there's one for Marco and make sure Marco gets it. Like, Dylan is yeah. very insistent that Marco <laughs> gets his fucking ticket. Uh-huh. Not get in the way of his matchmaking. Like, <laughs> with himself. Um, <laughs> and anyway, so like, you know, Craig and Jimmy are super excited. They're like, boys night, boys night, yeah, yeah. And of course, Spinner is just like, could you be any bigger F word? Yeah. Which is ugly because, you know... It goes back to the turn that you were speaking to, Frank, that Spinner has in this. It goes into that territory that was similar to what Sean hit, where he was constantly, like, you know, calling... He he was the one, originally, that used the F word. He was the one that said that used that as, as you know, this awful slur. And then we have it coming again, but now from Spinner. So this is our second character who's going to start using this word. Yeah. Um... And Spinner, and, um, anyway, uh, 
Craig and Jimmy um, are like, what the fuck is going on with you? And Marco is acting weird. Like, what the hell is happening here? Like, they know mm-hmm. something is up, but none of them really have the context to make sense of what is happening. Um, and Spinner claims that, you know, Marco can't go to the hockey game because he has an art thing. Other plans. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like trying to get him to get out of it. Um, and Craig and Jimmy approach Marco about this in gym class and are like, hey, like, you know, why are you missing the game? To which Marco then reacts because Spinner's also in the gym class um, and goes up to Spinner and asks him, about, like, you know, why are you icing me out and doing this type of stuff? Um, and Spinner is mad because he's like, well, why are you? You're just going to this because of your big gay crush. Mm hmm. And Armstrong kind of does the passive, like, guys, break it up. Which, like, maybe he didn't hear the context of what was going on. He just saw that they were having an altercation and they're about to play volleyball. So he moves Spinner to one side of the net. Marco is on the other side of the net. They start, and Spinner fucking spikes the ball at Marco. (laughs) Twice. Yeah. And this is, like, all boys' gym. By yeah. the way, it's it's interesting. Uh, yeah, and, and then Marco makes a comment like, oh, spin spikes like a girl. Yeah, and... because like as soon as he hits it a second time, Armstrong's like, you're going to the fucking locker. It's like, fuck this, you're not doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there is, sorry, continue. Well, no, I was going to say in my high school, we had um, two concurrent units, mm-hmm. like for gym. So it'd be like, at the beginning, you pick yours. Usually, it was just like, so who's on the basketball team? We're going to get some free practice in during gym class. Yeah. And then yeah. everybody else would do, like, Tybo. I normally just chose Tybo. That's real. Um, with this one, I don't really know why. It's weird seeing the single gender thing, but whatever. Um, I'm not going to overanalyze it, because someone's going to email me and be like, oh, this is totally normal. Like, <laughs> And I'm just going to be like, well, not in my schools I've worked at, but I believe it. Um, but yeah, so, I do appreciate the reactions that the, it's interesting the way that the crew reacts. Um, because, like, pretty much in their exchange, at least when the general boy squad could hear it, there were a lot of, like, ooh, uh, like, you know, they were making a lot of noises and reactions to it and laughing and shit like that, which is very Mm -hmm. real. What I did find very interesting is when Marco does say, like, good thing spin hits like a girl... No one reacts to it. So there's this interesting moment where you have this backing audio track of all these guys, like, making their commentary and shit like that. Until Marco says that, nobody says anything else. Which is, like, an interesting little moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next scene we see, also fucking rough, because Spinner is writing on, like, kind of like the, uh, you know, on the wall... Um, and he's writing in a Sharpie marker, and Jimmy enters. Um, and I do want to say, like, I feel like I forgot how much I love Jimmy in this episode until I was, like, re-watching this episode a little while back. And from here on out, Jimmy is, like, I mean, Jimmy's pretty solid throughout these episodes, but he's really, really, really good, especially mm-hmm. in this moment. Because Jimmy sees Spinner writing this... And Jimmy's like, you know, what is your problem? And Spinner goes, this is my problem. He points at what he wrote on the wall, which says Marco is a F word. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jimmy's response to it is is really good. So he's like, so what are you going to write next? Something about me being black? 
I would be no. doing the rap air horn right now, but we have a sleep we have sleepy people here. It's true. <laughs> um, Just I'll I'll put it, it in and post. I'll, thank you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but um, it's so good. It is. I mean, yeah. it's. I like this moment because I feel like it's what I I want. Jimmy to be able to be a hero and we talked a little bit about this in the past where Jimmy rarely gets a moment to truly be a hero he does the right thing sometimes but he doesn't actually get treated like a good guy mm-hmm. and I like that he is without a doubt the good guy in this moment the, and what I love like what I like about this it's like the perfect way to you know call somebody out on their bullshit because mm-hmm. like um it's not like he's, you know, he doesn't even call, like, Spinner dumb. He doesn't, like, be confrontational in that way. Instead, he's just like, oh, so he, like, asked him a question. And that question just cuts super deep. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I don't know, I just really appreciate the moment. And I appreciate, I don't know, I just really appreciate that. Because it, it does kind of rattle Spinner. Um, and it's effective. And once again, it, it shows Jimmy being the good person in it. Um, meanwhile, Marco is at the locker with Ellie. Ellie kind of checks in and see how he's doing. Ellie and Ellie is, you know, having to deal with Marco wanting to bail on the game. Um, and Ellie's like, "You can't, you can't not go. Like, yeah. you got a huge stinking crush. Like, you can't not go to this. You have right. to." Um, and Jimmy appears, and Jimmy is really sweet about it because he's just like, "Well, of course you have to come. Like, you know, you're one of the guys. You gotta come." And I just really appreciate how Jimmy is really trying to make sure that Marco has a place and has, you know. Is clear that, and is very clear that Jimmy, like, he's being very clear here that he wants to support Marco yeah. as a friend. And I just find that really, really nice because I feel like with Jimmy, he rarely gets a chance to have genuine relationships with people. And it's nice to see him trying really hard to have a genuine connection with someone and trying to preserve a genuine connection because he just doesn't get that chance so much in the series. So it's a very refreshing type of Jimmy to see. But yeah, he's just like, you know, you gotta go. And Marco's like, well, what about Spinner and everything? And he's just like, Spin's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Marco's like, okay, fine. And, and you know, Jimmy's like, oh, like, we can meet at the dot. Like, let's meet at the dot and eat pizza and shit like that. Marco's just like, no, like, you know, let me meet you at the arena. I don't want to deal with, like, Spinner plus pizza, which I guess goes back to him eating a lot of cheese and farting back in drive. Um, Ellie seems kind of pleased with this. Also, I do want to draw attention to Marco's fucking mirror in his locker. (laughs) Oh, I missed that. It's, like, one of those ones that has, like, a... I forget what kind of jointing thing that is, but, like, the ones that kind of, like, open up, like, an accordion-type deal. Oh, it, like, extends out. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, a really, like, glamorous mirror that he has in there, and I'm just like, ah, yes. Um, (laughs) He's gay, so this is why he has this mirror. I get it. Um, Meanwhile, I'm trying to get moving because there's so much that happens in this episode. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Next scene, Paige is walking into the dot. She is wearing a hockey jersey with the corner of it kind of tied off. Um, And she's like, you know, you guys are thinking that this is a fun night. I'm just the fucking sibling who always has to go to these damn games. 
So this is just a normal evening for me. Will somebody think about me, Paige? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, still goes. Yes, of course, of course, because that's just what siblings do. It's like, I'm going to whine about it, but I still love you and I'm still going to go. <laughs> Duh. But, um, you know, she she arrives and Jimmy and Craig kind of skulk off to, quote unquote, pay the bill. And she sits across from Spinner and she's like, look, like, I know what it's like to have to process somebody coming out that's close to you. I fucking get it because my brother came out to me and I had to deal with it. Um, and Spinner's like, well, like, you know, he doesn't have to be gay, blah, blah, blah. This is my friend. It's not like he's my brother. And Paige does not accept it. Like, she shuts it down, and she's just like, I don't fucking care. Like, you have to deal with this, and you have to figure out how to deal with this. The fuck you say? <laughs> yeah, right? It's it's interesting. Like, I mean, I guess it also kind of, like, sometimes this relationship, I'm just like, why is Paige putting all of this energy into this? But also it kind of goes back to just, like, what being a teenage girl is like. And, like, how even, you know, I, I, as somebody who has worked in middle school and high school, like, you know, as many years as I have, I feel like it's not, not a year goes by that I don't watch a couple where I'm like, that girl is so smart and so great. And that boy is a fucking trashy. <laughs> Why is she in that? And the answer is she's a kid and she doesn't realize, like, you know, and she wants to be in a relationship and things like that. Until mm -hmm. this, until this episode, this pair of episodes, it made sense. Yeah, no, the relationship made a whole lot of sense before this moment. He he was the tender chunkhead back then. Now he's now he's just a piece of garbage. Yeah, and like I understand, especially when you're a kid, like trying to negotiate this in your head of like you know, okay, well this is the only really bad thing that I've noticed, and things like that. And it's just I understand why she's in this situation, and. I also feel like it's very page to be like, I'm going to be the one who's going to rehabilitate this shithead. It is up to me. The thing is, mm -hmm. the thing is she doesn't drop the, like, you either, um, you either get cool with this or we're done. Yeah. Which I really appreciate because, like, it sends a very clear message to the audience, like, that's not how you deal with this. Yeah. You don't make somebody's acceptance conditional. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, once again, like, I wish... Very much that, you know, she's like, oh, I don't, I deserve better than this, but I also understand that she's a teenage girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I also understand that, for all intents and purposes, this is kind of his first strike. Yeah. At least, like, obvious. Yeah. Non-negotiable strike. I'm not talking about nasty shit, nasty boy shit. Yeah. I'm talking, like, actual, like, moral disagreement that they're having. Um, so, the next scene... Let's get into it. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, let's get Here into it. Go. This is so, where we get into, uh, the gay bashing stuff. So, you know, once again, if you need to sit out on that, that's totally fine. Marco is calling Jimmy, saying that he got off at the wrong stop, and that he has to, he'll be there a little later than expected. Um, he kind of is in, uh, what is referred to as boys town type of situation. So there's a lot of, like, adult men around trying to go into clubs and things like that um and they're all kind of looking at marco it's the gayborhood but it's also like the early 2000 it's it's like um what's the show the queer as folk, folk. It's, i was gonna yeah it's, yeah. it's queer as folk gayborhood-esque yeah it's... all these people making eyes at this underage child yeah yeah it's it's, it's, it's weird 
it's definitely that type of thing. They're really eyeing him down, kind of looking at him like a piece of meat. He's clearly uncomfortable by it, but also kind of fascinated by it, which, yeah. which I understand because that's just what it is to be a baby gay, you know? It's just like mm -hmm. trying to figure this stuff out. Um, I'm also not sure if he came there on purpose or not. He says like, oh, I got off at the wrong stop. Hang on. Sorry. Keep talking. Basil is trying to play with the wire. No! Okay. First actual cat complication. That's fine. Um, yeah, but, uh... But yeah, yeah, like, yeah, we're not sure if it was intentional if he yeah, stopped there. It's kind of ambiguous. Um, regardless, the guys are kind of looking at looking at him kind of like a piece of meat. Um, and he's just kind of shuffling along, trying to get through. Um, and some, as he gets to, like, kind of the park, these guys confront Marco. Um, it's, it's just a very uncomfortable and scary scene because it starts off with, like, one guy stopping him and then one guy becomes two, becomes, like, it looks like three, four, three, three or four. Three or four at the end. Yeah. They, they, they make vague punching noises with, like, both hands, like... Like, clap, it's... Yeah, they, like, call him slurs and yeah. stuff like that. They take off his... They remove his hat and toss it. Um, and it's just, like, this very scary, tense moment. Um, there's, like, a kind of odd cut, which we were talking about a little bit, about how, like, the way that this... There's some weird editing choices in this scene, I, and I do think some of it, to a certain extent, was to make it less... Explicitly violent? Yeah. I think there's some awkward cutaways and things. I think a lot of it also is, like, they're remembering that a child is acting in this. And I don't think they wanted to, like, beat the shit, even if it was acting-wise. Like, beat the shit out of a child. So I do appreciate that. Um, meanwhile, at the game, Jimmy is worried. Um, Spinner not like spinner is like you know they're like watching players come in and spinner knocks jimmy's popcorn um and jimmy gets kind of pissed off and walks off to call marco um and then spinner snide remark about it is calling marco jimmy's girlfriend because that's just like the only snide remark spinner ever makes it is like you mm -hmm. know feminizing marco that's like all he does right. um Meanwhile, during the actual bashing scene, the goons are calling Marco, like, girl pretty and shit like that. And it's, there's this interesting kind of continuation of this narrative that has happened in other Marco episodes where it's, it's more than just, oh, he's gay, it's that he's feminine and that he's yeah. feminine presenting in certain ways. And, you know, it's just... It just kind of continues this thing that kind of happens and also mm -hmm. speaks to, once again, like, how Dylan is probably able to navigate the world with a little more safety and a as little more As a more, more masculine person. Exactly. As a stronger, taller, masculine person. And Marco does not have that luck. Um, so it's it's a really hard scene to see. Because it's such a, I mean, it's just, like, kind of embodies a lot of his fears and a lot of the horrible things that other people have said, but not at the same severity, which goes back into later parts of the episode. So, 
um, his phone goes off because Jimmy is calling it. Um, he kind of, in a panic, is just like, guys, I'm at the park. And before somebody, like, slaps the phone out and it breaks, um, Mark was tossed to the ground. They kind of kick the shit out of him. Thankfully, police are passing by. This is the only time I'm ever going to say that, thankfully, about police. Mm -hmm. Because regardless, the fact that the police are there is enough to make them run away. Mm -hmm. um, and they try to give some minor first aid care to Marco. Um, meanwhile, Jimmy keeps trying to call the uh, call, and when he hears police sirens, he goes out out of the venue to go into the park. He sees the police doing first aid on Marco, and this part really like is emotional for me because Jimmy just kind of mm -hmm. runs over and embraces Marco and is like trying to give him kind of like grounding just like I'm here I'm here you're okay you're okay I'm not going anywhere yeah and like that's so because the last scene like last time like Jimmy really had like lines is when he was telling uh he's telling Spinner that like you know you're being bigoted this is like you we, you know you shouldn't you should be supporting Marco basically yeah exactly and then he goes out and he does it he's like he walks the walk yeah, and, and that's what I really love about it. Like, I love that he just, he isn't afraid to touch Marco. Yeah. Which is kind of a different step than just accepting it, right? Like, we're talking right. about how Marco has the, like, how Jimmy has the capacity to know, like, you should not be homophobic. Yes. It's a very different game if you are actually not afraid to touch your friend who is, who is gay. Like, that's yes. a huge step and a different step and it was just really nice to see it and I don't know I've always really this is probably one of my favorite Jimmy moments hands down because it's so powerful um so the next day at school Ellie is kind of chasing Marco down trying to figure out last night Marco's claiming that you know he got his shoes stolen and that's why he had like the altercation in the park um and Marco has this really, this, like, breakdown that happens that really hit me hard. Because he says, like, you know, he's he's just not going to tell, when it comes to, like, his sexuality and everything, he's not going to tell anyone anything anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be nothing. Yes. Which really hit hard for me because I know I, I've had that crisis before mm -hmm. of, like, when shit did not go right. And, like, I was potentially going to get outed or I was potentially in danger. Or, like, it was just like, I'm not going to fuck this. Like, I'm nothing. Like, yeah. goodbye. I'm just going to function as a human and that's it. I'm going to have no romantic relationships and not have romantic feelings. And that's just the way it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And it's a really rough thing to see. And I was not ready to see media... I kind of forgot about that part of the episode, but I think also it speaks to age. Like, it's, like, something that means more as you grow more as a person. Um, and when you saw it, you're like, oh, jeez, I've been there. Yeah, it's it, it hits a very specific spot. Yeah. It really does. Um, mm -hmm. So, the next time he, you know, the next part of it, like, he sees Dylan through a door... Um, and Dylan kind of comes up to him, and he sees that Marco's forehead, like, is all scratched up, so he tries to put, like, you know, place his hand on his forehead, and Marco just kind of faps his hand away, and, you know, says, like, you know, please leave me alone. Acting on the being nothing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and the last part of the episode, 
is the there's, confrontation in the bathroom. Well, there's there's two oh, there's two more. There's two pieces. So the first thing is um, Jimmy and Spinner are playing basketball, and Jimmy says Spinner doesn't really follow the rules. Oh, right. right. Um, which eventually leads to them talking about Marco. And Spinner says, like, you know, Marco's being so overdramatic. Why is he freaking out? He just got his shoes stolen. Who gives a shit? Um, and Jimmy is really angry about this reaction, obviously, because he knows the truth. Um, and Spinner's just like, well, it's Marco's own fault that this happened. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then the last scene we have is Marco in the bathroom. Jay walks in and makes a comment about him and Dylan. And then that's where Marco sees Spinner's graffiti as Spinner enters. And Spinner takes it. Spinner acts like a victim and says, like, I didn't ask you to tell me you were gay. Yeah. I didn't ask for this information. Um... <laughs> And, you know, Marco then says, well, I didn't choose to be gay. Um, and Spinner's just like, Spinner takes this, like, very ignorant train of thought, which, you know, a lot of people have, which is just like, well, like, you know, why don't you try it? Like, try being with a girl, like, you know. Date Hazel. Yeah, like, go date Hazel. Like, it's not like you've actually been with a guy anyway, so, like, it's not. Not that I need to know. Yeah, not that I need to know, but, like, I don't think you've ever been with a guy anyway. Um... And Marco tries to explain to him, like, like it's it's something that people know about me and I don't, like, yeah. it, you know, it's not something I even can tell people because people just know. And it's interesting because we see that work positively in the episodes. Yeah. Because we see Dylan know that Marco is gay and go like, oh, okay, like, I'm into this guy. Mm -hmm. But then we see the, you know, the opposite end of it, which is, you know... Yeah. This is somebody that I, I will prey on or I will hurt. And it's hard because it's also one of those things where this is a very unique type of coming off as gay, right? Like, this isn't yeah. just, like, I'm going to get certain piercings and dye my hair and dress a certain way. And then that I want people to know. That, it's like, like, flagging. Exactly. It's not, it's, exactly. This, this, like, is, this is just people looking at you and your mannerisms. Exactly. Like, and saying, that person is gay. Exactly. It's it's categorizing, especially in his case, he is a cis boy who is who has feminine qualities. Mm -hmm. So that that's what makes him gay. It's not that he says that he's gay. It's not that he's dating a guy or holding hands with a guy. It's that he has feminine qualities, hence he's gay. Yeah. And it's 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 not like me dyeing my hair blue and shaving half of my like, you know, yeah. bunch of my hair. It's not the same. It's it's more inherent and hard. Yeah. Um, and says, like, you know, that's why I got bashed. That's why I was targeted. Um, mm -hmm. And Spinner just, you know, still is is sputtering and says, like, you know, you can't compare me to these guys. And Marco just kind of asked him, like, why not? Mm -hmm. And oh. I really like that it's Marco. I think we talked a little yeah, bit about yeah. this, Kira. I think you said it originally. Yeah, that... Um... They gave Jimmy a lot of this power to stand up to Spinner. And so he's, and he's saying all these things that like, like, um, he's probably like taught to, taught to say, like you're saying, uh, like comparing his bigotry to like racism. And it felt stronger that it was able to come from Marco and Marco was able to confront him himself mm -hmm. and say, and 
I, I also do feel like that's another part of like the gay experience. Like going from not able to say the words I'm yeah. gay to defending yourself yeah. in like very short period of time. That's all that's very It snowballs. Yeah, it snowballs yeah. very quickly and that that's I very feels very real as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like he just snaps at him. Mm-hmm. And it's and Spinner is the one who gets the last shot of the episode. It's him trying to process the fact that he was told that information. Yeah. And we haven't really mentioned it. Um, I know this is the end of the episode, but it is also worth mentioning, like, you know, we are talking about this gay bashing when, you know, in, in the news at the time of recording, last week we had the Jesse Smollett yeah. um, incident, which obviously had the gay bashing aspect, also had the race aspect to it. Yes. And it's kind of this scary moment where you realize, like, you know, oh, Degrassi was going there. This shit's still happening. This shit's it's still happening. I've had personal experience, not, like, like with, like, more of, like, a close call with it. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's still happening. It's been happening. Uh, like it's, yeah it fucking sucks it sucks like, i don't know what to say i don't know how to wrap that up it's, yeah well like, it's not wrapped yeah i mean i think that's the thing it's like it's like i'm sure some people especially people who maybe have had a little easier of a time with life are mm-hmm. probably looking at this episode and going like that's so extreme like you know this sophomore in high school is getting fucking gay bashed like what do you mean Mm-hmm. But the reality of the situation is that this is a thing that is happening, that has been happening, that is still happening. So there's a lot of these beats in this episode that still ring so unfortunately true. And while there are definitely beautiful moments of LGBTQ, like, you know, joy, for lack of better yeah. terms, there is also some of the very true and very real moments of LGBTQ sorrow. Agree. Which is makes this episode still very real and unfortunately true in certain aspects. Um, so episode rating. I'm going to give it a solid A. Nice. Uh, I would also rate it an A. Yeah. Maybe even an S. Ooh, S rank. Yeah, like, no, yeah. It's going to go S rank. Nice. I mean, this episode still, this episode left such an impression on me growing up. Like, this is one of the episodes that I still remember very distinctly. And I remember feeling differently about it. And I appreciate that, like, my feelings have changed about it. Still, I would say for the better. I think I like this episode more now as an adult who has lived more of my life as an LGBTQ person than I did when I was a kid and still figuring shit out. But I think it also speaks to how much I like. I don't know. I I really enjoy this episode. I know I don't usually rate, but. Mm-hmm. Character rankings. We can uh, plow through these. Yeah, uh, Spinner. Wow, you have discovered a, uh, you have discovered a section lower than JT and Toby at their bottom, <laughs> like a sub basement. <laughs> JT and Toby were in like the sub basement of the sub basement. Like <laughs> they go way down. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, he's no longer until he redeems himself. He's no longer the tender chunkhead. Yeah. He may never be the Thunder Trunkhead again. Um, yeah. Jimmy, on the other hand. Phew. What a change. Yeah. Like, just coming out of nowhere to just to do what's right. Um, I like this new Jimmy. I want Jimmy to continue this way. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Paige didn't really... Oh, no, excuse me. Hazel didn't really do anything except make some comments here and there and deliver some funny uh, lines. Uh, so she's on the rise. Paige is on the rise for not dealing with anyone's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and defending her brother, Dylan's on the rise for being pretty solid. Um, hope that becomes a thing. Marco... Marco's on the rise for just putting up with so much this episode. Yeah. Ellie's on the rise for trying her best. Manny's going to stay where she is. I'm still not super on board with new Manny. Um, Emma is on the rise for caring about her her dad, whatever form that may be. Snake on the rise for trying to deal with this horribleness. Um, Joey for being there for his friend, uh, in both instances. Um, uh, Craig for trying to do the right thing is on the rise. Ashley for being annoyed is on the rise. Um. I just want to say, um, this is my first time really meeting Marco, Mm -hmm. but he's one of the characters I just go... Mine. Get yeah. under my wing, please. I will take you away from here. Yeah. He has I that just effect. want you to be safe now. Now, now you understand <laughs> why, like, trying to get a host, like, it's so hard to, like, figure out who we're going to have a host on, guest on those, like, Marco episodes, because it's just, like, everyone who who likes Marco, like, who knows Marco, like, they're all like, I want to be on those episodes. Like, he mm. he's... There's something about him that's incredibly relatable and endearing, and, like, even if he's not exactly like you, you still want to keep him safe. Okay, now I remember the thing I wanted to say. Um, Sorry. No, no, like, I just... Um, when it comes to uh, Marco coming out to Spinner, um, I, I've, I remember the... Um, the uh, whatchamacallit... The creator of Excalibur, the Marvel Excalibur comic. You know, he was not, I'm pretty sure he was not a Muslim faith. But they were like, so you're going to write a Muslim character. He's like, well, I'm going to have that character talk about religion. Only when it is absolutely, like, when somebody would normally talk about that. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I said Marco was a quieter character. But then you have the way he comes out to Spinner. Mm -hmm. Like... You know, for me, like, when that happens, it's, like, it happened so naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, or, as, as naturally as I can tell from my own experience. Because he's, like, when he says it, for me, it was just, like, this... He was... It was just a combination of, like, he's so tired and sad and scared. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it just... Mm-hmm. That's why I, I do love that scene. Because it's mm-hmm. just, like, he's at the end of his rope. And he knows no other way to get out of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, just wonderful acting on his part. It's true. Um, but I think, is that it for character rankings? Yeah. Kira, mm-hmm. if there's anything you want to add to character ranking stuff? That's it. Okay. Um, so let's go to recommendations. These are things that can be directly related to themes in the episode or if there's just things you're enjoying. 
Um, I'm going to make a last second change to my recommendation. Um, I just finished up today a book called The Upside of Unrequited, which is by Becky mm-hmm. Albertalli. So if you are a fan of Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda um, and Leah on the Offbeat, um, this is another one of her books with some characters that are related to the Simon-related story, um, but focused on a different character. Um, what I really want to recommend with this is this is a more, this definitely has lightheartedness that a lot of the first part of this episode has in terms of having crushes and trying to figure out if people like you and how to deal with it or not deal with it. Um, and what it's like to kind of have a relationship with someone that is a little strained because of your relationships that you are pursuing outside of them. Um, the main character is straight, but please bear with me on that because her twin sister is not straight and she has two moms, so you still get LGBTQ content out of it. Um, but I do recommend it. I think that Becky Albertalli has a really fun voice. Um, I really appreciate what she is doing in YA. Um, and I think that there's a lot of that crush discussion energy that I think that people will probably enjoy checking out. Mm-hmm. So, Upside of Unrequited by Becky Albertalli. Mm-hmm. I have one right here. I, I brought it with me so I wouldn't forget it. <laughs> uh, the Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang. It's a graphic novel. Uh, it's a romance graphic novel where a prince dresses up in, uh, dresses and does a lot of kind of, uh, drag-inspired performances. Uh, in, I think, early 19th century, or late 19th century uh, France. Uh, It's very beautiful. It goes through a lot of the um, same kind of uh, coming out process as um, they went through in this episode. Um, It's... It's an explicit... It's it's a queer story, but it's also kind of a YA... um, the, the dressmaker is a, a woman, the prince is gender is kind of, you know, played with a lot. So I really appreciated it. Nice. Mm-hmm. I, I actually have a few um, for the um, for the B plot. Uh, I want to suggest the Tignataro Live stand up. Um, do you, you all? I know Tig. Okay. Um, it's the stand-up she did right after she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. And it is one of the... It's it's both funny and hopeful and just heartbreaking. Um, you know, the way she, like, just... I don't know. It, I just love it. It's hard to describe. I, I think the best way to understand is to listen to it. Um, the other is, uh, Gaycation, uh, the Ellen Page, um, series. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I do have to warn you, is very rough. Mm. Um, there, she goes to some, she goes to places that are just not very friendly, um, but it is well worth the watch, especially given, um, that amazing speech she gave on the Colbert show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, uh, I've been 
touting this for a while, uh, but my friend Samantha Allen's upcoming book, Real Queer America, yep. LGBT Stories from Red States. Just going to quick read the publisher description. It transgenders uh, 10 years ago. Samantha Allen was a suit and tie wearing Mormon missionary. Now she's a senior Daily Beast supporter, happily married to another woman. A lot in her life has changed, but what hasn't changed is her deep love of red state America and of queer people who stay in so-called flyover country rather than moving to the liberal coast. Real queer America. Alan takes us on a cross-country road trip, stretching all the way... Oh my god, there's a cat. Sorry. Um, Where? She, oh. She's rubbing against my legs. It was basil. <laughs> um, in Real Queer America, Alan takes us on a cross-country road trip, stretching all the way from Provo, Utah, to the Rio Grande Valley, to the Bible Belt, to the Deep South. Her motto for the trip? Something gay every day. Making pit stops at drag shows, political rallies, and hubs of queer life across the heartland. She introduces us to scores of extra, extraordinary... LGBT people working for change from the first openly gay, excuse me, from the first openly transgender mayor in Texas history to the manager of the only queer nightclub in Bullington, Indiana, and many more. Um, I let I read her book Love and Hormones last year. My hair is not a toy, please. <laughs> um, and it was like the best book I read in 2018. So I'm assuming this one will be the best book of 2019. Um, it's available for pre-order. So check it out, your little one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that being said, Kira, you've made it through. I did it. Yay! <laughs> Are there? Uh, Stop it, please. Stop biting. Oh no. It's okay. I got. Okay. I got kitty now. <laughs> Um, are there ways that people can keep keeping in touch with you? Yeah, I am at Kiratheon, K-Y-R-A-T-H-I-O-N on Twitter. Awesome. And if you want to keep in touch with the podcast, you can keep in touch with us a couple ways. You can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com where you can send us any questions if you want to teach us more about Canadian geography. Um, if you want to also share any audio files or any um, writings about how an episode has impacted you or any potential appearances uh, if you're interested in making guest appearances. Feel free to email us. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook. We have a Facebook group um, called I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcasts where you can join and talk to us a little bit. And you can also follow us on Twitter at I Hope Pod. Um, if you are feeling generous, you can always send us a coffee, which the link is in the description. Any money that we make during through our coffee is put toward equipment as well as compensating our guests. Um, I'm sorry, I am. I'm trying to do this while Basil is attacking Kira's hair because Basil has not learned that people's hair is not a toy because she is seven months old and still learning. Um, anyway, if you want to keep in touch with me individually, where you may even see pictures of these little little terrors, you can follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know where we're going. Um, I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Uh, it's coming out the day after Susie and I have probably destroyed Sierra Burgess as a loser. Ooh, yeah. I can't believe you even bothered. Wow. I, it's been something I've been wanting to comment on for a while. Okay, and this is my like we're in my birthday month, so it's all my picks this month. That's true. Happy birthday! Oh, thank you. It'll be this Sunday. Um, it's even closer happy birthday again (laughs) thank you um yeah awesome well everybody (laughs) i know that's not the full ending but we're so tired (laughs) no that's okay we hope we can make it through and that you're gonna be there with us see you next week everybody later
Bye. Bye.